Hello, everybody. It's uh, Chris Bellotti uh, from The Full 40. Welcome to the uh, Twitter space here. We're going to give everyone a couple minutes, including our guests. Um, we have Rob, uh, who is uh, obviously my co-host on the podcast. He's, he's here with us. We also have Tommy Godin um, from Road to the Garden View Hoops. We have Chris Nataro uh, from Villanova Tip Time, uh, Villanova's only pregame show. Uh, so we are pretty much getting ready to go here. I'm just waiting for uh, our guests to get started, uh, but looking forward to speaking with you all today. So just give us a minute or two and we will uh, give it a go. All right. Looks like A. Ray has just joined us, and we're just getting him up to the uh, to the podium here. A. Ray, how you doing? We can hear you if you're ready. What's up, guys? You can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. Good. All right. Let's do it. Good to have you. Let's do it. Let's do it. So let me let me set the room here. Um, Colin Gillespie said he would join as well, so we, we, but we'll get started with A-Ray. Um, so, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Full 40's Twitter space. Chris Bellotti from the Full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie. Um, we're excited to have some special guests, including Alan Ray tonight. Um, and it looks like Colin might be in, too. Uh, just waiting to get him. i got to find him. There he is. I'm going to get him up here, too. Where's the, uh, where's the theme music? I, the, the theme music for the podcast? Oh, man. I wish... Uh, I wish we could. Uh, I wish we could get that going on here, but Twitter gives us a, only gives me a little bit of leeway here. <laughs> Colin, how you doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good, 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 good. So, our guests need no introduction, but I'm going to give it anyway. Um, so, A Ray is here. Uh, obviously, he knows Jersey Hanks in the Rafters, 2,000 plus point score, All American, Naismith Award finalist, 2006. In 2005 and 6, A-Ray helped lead Nova to the first Sweet 16 and Elite 8 of the J-Wright era, and his class is appropriately credited with launching the J-Wright era of Villanova basketball. On the other side, we have Colin Gillespie, whose jersey will definitely hang in the rafters someday alongside A-Ray's, um, an All-American, Big East Player of the Year, critical member of the 2018 Big East Tournament and National Championship teams. Um, won multiple Big East regular season and tournament crowns and led last year's team to its fourth Final Four in 13 seasons. And we didn't know it at the time, but also ushered out Jay Wright's era of Villanova basketball. So um, clearly two esteemed uh, guests. And as I mentioned before, um, we have uh, Rob, my co-host, Tommy Godin from Road to the Garden View Hoops and Chris Nataro from Villanova Tip Time as well. Tonight we're here to discuss the start to the season and Kyle Neptune's era. Um, we sit at eight and nine, obviously following a challenging starting, uh, challenging two and five start with multiple injuries, won five in a row to get back in control of the schedule, 
lost four of our last five and are back to having multiple injuries with Justin Moore remaining out and Jordan Longino possibly not back for a few weeks, uh, seemingly at minimum. Um, obviously, start's not ideal. There's plenty of emotions among the fan base, and we'll try and discuss all of that tonight. Um, I'll remind you, our Twitter space is we want to hear from you. So if you want to speak, tap the request button on the bottom left to speak. When you get the microphone, please remember to hit unmute. Um, and then you can go ahead and ask your question or provide your thoughts. The only ground rule that I'll ask of everybody is just to be as respectful as possible. Look, cursing, we curse on the podcast all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but just please try, please try and be uh, respectful of players, staff, each other. Uh, definitely want to hear your thoughts, criticisms, whatever your emotions are feeling at the time, but just obviously try and be respectful. So I am going to pose my opening question to A-Ray and then to Colin. Um, I I'm interested to get your thoughts on what is your opinion as to the biggest individual challenge that this team is facing right now. Um, I'll go first. I feel like it's the chemistry. Um, you can see it on offense and defense. I think that's just like the biggest thing right now. They just can't find a way to gel. And you see little spurts of it during the game. And then like you won't see it for a little while. So I, I just really think it's like the chemistry. I think if they can at least get some chemistry down, that'll help out a lot with them offensively and defensively. Okay. Colin, your thoughts? No, nah, A-Ray hit it on the, on the head. Um, chemistry is a big part of it. I mean, you got a couple of guys who are older, experienced, haven't been in those roles before, so they're getting used to their roles now. Um, and then a bunch of younger guys sprinkled in, so they have to get comfortable playing with each other. Um, and I think it starts there and the older guys got to lead it and, and uh, make sure that um, they're talking on the floor, communicating with younger guys and making sure everything's running smoothly. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess my question then on the chemistry point is, is it just time? Like, is there a way to create chemistry like mid-season? Is it something that, hey, you just need to latch on to something positive? Or is it, it could be anything? Um, yeah, I, I want you to piggyback off of what Colin said about, you know, <clears throat> these guys and with the chemistry and them having new roles. You know, I think that's also important to a lot of guys got new roles that they're growing into. You know, they got to get used to that. It's not it's not easy to just, to jump into a, a t into a new role from what you had the year before. So I think that was a, a real good point that um Colin brought up. Yeah, so I, I guess I want to talk about a number of different things uh, here tonight. And, and obviously, as I mentioned, we we'll want to hear everyone's thoughts and, and requests. And we actually do have um, a request already, Patty Esposito. And I'm going to bring her up right now. Uh, Patty, you're up. If, you're, uh, if you can come off of mute, uh, you're ready to go. P Patty, you there? Can you hear? Patty, 
All right, Patty's having a little bit of technical difficulties, but 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 we'll keep we'll keep going. I, I guess, guys, one of the things that um, one of the things that we are that that I think a lot of the people are seeing, and and the Ken Palm statistics bear it out, is the defensive side of the coin. What do you think is the what do you think are the biggest challenges uh, from on the team is facing from a defensive side? I, I obviously we've heard chemistry, but I want to. I want to dig in a little bit deeper. Obviously, it's a big switching defense. What do you think is what What do you think is causing the team to not be able to get the stops they need to get, especially down the stretching games? Go ahead, CG. Uh, it's just little breakdowns. I mean, it it all boils back down to chemistry and rotations, younger guys um, communicating uh, on the floor. I think that's what it all boils back down to. I mean, you're pairing a bunch of guys, older guys who played with more older guys last year who knew what they were doing, expected each other to be in certain spots, and now you're bringing in younger guys who are trying to catch up and, and, and get past the learning curve. But that only takes time with playing together, practicing together. I mean, you guys have guys in and out with injuries and – other stuff then it's going to be difficult to kind of gel and get that chemistry communication on the defensive end too. It's the same thing with offense, but um, I think the more you see a healthy team play together, get guys back, they're going to gel faster and it's going to look better. They're going to know where each other is supposed to be at and where they expect each other to be at. So rotations will look better, switches will look better, et cetera, all the way down the line. So, so Colin, you weren't a freshman too long ago. That switching defense, how, how, what are the, like, the specific things that are really challenging to get? Is it just like the communication element? Is it, is it the strength, as a, in, your, in your case, your point guard, is the strength to be able to switch onto a five-man? Like, what, what are the specific things that, really, that your teammates and you have struggled with to get that switching defense down? Communication is a big part of it, but as a freshman, like, you're playing against high school kids the year before, and it's a totally different game. It's more physical, it's faster, so the speed of the game is different. So you got to catch up to that part of it, and it doesn't, it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen through the first 10 games. Uh, only for certain guys who can pick it up right away. So um, me personally, uh, communication wasn't that hard for me because I'm used to communicating, and I was just trying to stay on the floor. So as a freshman, I was going to do whatever it took, and um, – that was listening to the older guys and picking up on it in practice, uh, asking questions, watching film, like all that has to happen. But once you get on the court, then your reaction time takes over and um, your skill and your talent and your habits, what you work on in practice. So like I said, the more you practice it, the more they practice it together, the better they're going to get at it, the better they're going to look together as a group. Yeah. Hey, Ray, um, so I, I'm curious your thoughts as well. Obviously, you guys were at the beginning of the, uh, at the, beginning of the Jay Wright era. You, you guys came off to a, a slow start there. You had two NIT trips, um, and it wasn't really until your, your junior year that you guys really got it rolling. But what, what was it, was, how challenging was it to really absorb that as a freshman um, and go through that? And you obviously got some playing time given the, given the status of the program at that time, but – how difficult was it for you? Um, it was difficult at first. It was a lot to process, honestly, you know, because 
let's say you're like guarding a Ben Gordon and you know you now you gotta switch onto a Mecca Okafor. So you gotta know his tendencies now in the post, like what he likes to do. And you was just guarding Ben Gordon, who's a completely different player. And then you gotta know that for everybody on the court because you know, you like to switch a lot on the defense. So it was just a lot to process. And you and, and one of the big things is tendencies, just knowing players' tendencies, that also helps out a lot too. And um that comes down to game plan as well. You know, we used to uh have like a super elaborate game plan. I know CG know about them game plans, watching film. So it was a lot to process, but you know, I think it just came with time and maturity and we was able to to get it rolling our junior year. Yeah. All right, we have a question coming in from uh Rashid uh Sunflower. So I'm gonna bring him up. Um Rashid, you're joining now. If you come off a uh, speaker, uh, what do you got for us? Um, all right, so I got a quick question. So I've been watching. I've been following Villanova basketball for years now. And I really want to ask this uh, A-Ray and Colin um, just by playing in the program. Um, but just watching, especially with this team and with this roster and with this makeup, I feel like a big issue for us to start the year is we aren't playing with enough pace. Um, so even, like, defensively, I feel like, um, teams are getting the runouts. Teams are getting out on the break a lot on us because we're we're playing too much. I think under the shot clock, um, it's ten seconds left before we get into something, um, and that's kind of been my beef for the last ten years. But we had great lead guards and Colin and Jalen and Ryan, Josh Hart, who always got us into good looks. I think this team especially needs to play with more pace. Mark, Caleb, Slater. I think Slater would be way more effective. Um, Cam. Ed rim, Eric Dixon rim running. How do you guys feel about just us maybe playing with more pace, especially this year with how our roster makeup is? Uh, I think that's a real good question. Uh, I want to say when Cam got back, you know, we we really started playing well defensively. We was holding teams in the sixties in points, and you know, I thought that you know we would do a good job and build on there. But it it kind of seemed like we took a, a took a step back from that. Um, I do feel like somebody had brought this up to me. It kind of seemed like Villanova plays safe ball. Like it looks like they trying not to make turnovers, not make mistakes. And I think that's where the frustration comes in with everybody. You know, we all want to see them run and everything like that. But you know, that's kind of like the system now. It's always been like that. You know, these guys are trying not to turn the ball over, want to make the right plays and execute. So I get where you're coming from with that and uh, where everybody else is coming from with that. You know, I just think that that's that's going to be with the coach and how they decide to, to continue to play, to be honest. Yeah, I get it. I get it, too. Um, but I loved – Coming out of high school, we played. I played up and down, up and down, and then I got there, and it's, the game slowed down a lot. And um, it was all about executing, getting the best shots possible, and, and watching the DePaul game. Honestly, I think we got a lot of shots with 20 seconds left on the shot clock and up. Um, and that was one of the things that I that stuck out to me. I was like, we're we're taking quick shots. And it's almost like playing a pickup game. And that's not Villanova. Like, that's not how 
we've played for the last couple of years, we got down late in the shot clock, uh, let guys make decisions out of the post, kickouts, extra passes. Um, so I think if you're going up and down, a lot of teams like that kind of play. They like playing that pace. A lot of teams don't like to guard for 30, 25, 30 seconds in a shot clock, and um, that's how you tire teams out. You wear them down throughout a game, and then in the second half with five minutes left, um, you're feeling good about getting shots when they're struggling to scramble around with five seconds left in the shot clock, getting the best shot possible. Sometimes we're getting really early contested twos, uh, deep threes, and granted, if they're open, you got you got to take them, you got to shoot them. But I think we got to look to get better shots and look to execute more, um, and not try to rush as much. I think guys, the ball is pounding a lot. Uh, got to get back to moving it, getting drives and kicks and, and jump stops and kick out opposites, extra passes. Is some of it a personnel issue? Um, just like Cam and his athleticism. Uh, I mean, Brendan Slater's always struck me as a guy who probably performs a little bit better in an open in an open floor transition environment. Um, and then Mark obviously is super athletic and and quick. Obviously there's high, high level athletes across the team is some of it, a little bit of the personnel is a little bit more oriented to play a little bit quicker. And it's a little bit, you know, in between in that we have personnel that might be better suited to play quicker, but the style of play that we normally play is a little bit more methodical. Is some of it that I think you could still play quick. You just got to get stops. If you're taking the ball out of the rim. Yeah every five, six out of ten possessions, then you're not going to get a lot of transition buckets. you got to get stops, um, and then you can pick and choose when you want to run. Like a, a team like Creighton who loves to go up and down and shoot a bunch of threes the last couple of years, normally you're either getting stops and walking up the floor because they don't like to play that way, or a team like Butler who plays similar that will walk up the floor, then you can get out and get some transition buckets. But, um, I mean, Slate can make a living – on the offensive end, just second cutting, catching the shoot, open threes. Cam should be the same way with all the, with all the athletes we have, and then Mark is super quick with the ball off the bounce. So, I mean, I think he could create for others and be able to get really good shots for everybody else. But I think it's just you pick and choose um, when you can go in transition and when you could kind of walk it up the floor. But it all starts on defense. You got to get stops to get get out in transition. All right. Thanks, Rashid. Really appreciate your, your, your question there. I think uh, my co-host Rob has is, uh, is, uh, got a few questions for the guys. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, guys. Um, got a quick question for you. I think it's, it's pretty easy from a fan perspective to sit back and say, hey, look, this record isn't what we want it to be. We're disappointed. Therefore, the fan base is upset. But I think that obviously looks past what's happening in the locker room and what's happening on the team because – Presumably, the guys are obviously as upset or probably a lot more upset than we are as a fan base. So just curious, like, could you guys give us a little perspective? Obviously, you're both very fortunate in that you were incredibly successful during your careers and didn't have, like, as much of a down spell while you were at Nova. But could you give us a little insight into, like, what's happening in the locker room right now, like, in theory? Like, what are these guys dealing with? How are they looking to overcome it? And I think that'll just kind of help the fan base get a little perspective on what's happening there. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that these guys are uh, 
upset that they're losing. You know, I'm there's no doubt in my mind that they want to win the game. Um, I don't think that they're like in the locker room and you know everybody's like doesn't care about it. I'm 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 positive that everybody cares about it. And um, you know, it's just a it's just frustrating now, honestly. And also, you got to think about the mental aspect too. You know, these guys, it's a lot of pressure. You know, we came into the season with a lot of a lot of baggage over us. You know, new coach, Coach Wright leaving, um, J Mo hurt. So you know, you gotta look at the mental aspect too. You know, that takes a toll. You know, all this pressure on Coach Neptune. You know, don't think that that don't affect him not one bit. So it's a lot going on. And you know, like I said in one of my tweets, you know, I just feel for these guys and just hope that you know they could get it going. You know, the only thing that they can do is just keep it keep it pushing. Yeah, like A Ray said, those guys are working um, every day. They're putting in work. They're doing the same things that we've done for the last five, six years. They're lifting practices, film. Um, they're working and they care. But um, and, and Coach Nep cares, and they want to be better. And they're going to do everything possible to get better. Obviously, a new coach and Coach Wright leaving, Justin being injured, Cam was injured at the beginning of the year, but. Um, A-Ray knows it. I mean, I, we've had struggles my sophomore year early on. Our junior year early on, we were we struggled. Um, we lost three games in a row my junior year. So it's a part of the season. Um, and it, we always talk about it at Villanova. It doesn't matter where you are in the beginning, the middle. Uh, you just try to become the best Villanova basketball team you want by the end. Um, and that's always been the thing at Villanova. And I know those guys are continue to work at it. Uh, they take pride in that stuff. And um, they're just going to continue to just try to get better each day, and hopefully by the end of the year they become the best Villanova basketball team they can. Makes total sense. And I, I just want to follow up, too. You guys mentioned kind of the expectations coming into the season, and, and I will admit I was very guilty of this. I think we, and I'll speak for, for probably Chris and I as well, too, I think we glossed over or were perhaps too optimistic on how quickly Justin was going to come back and the impact that he obviously had on that team. I'm curious, like what your guys take was on your expectations coming into the season and, and kind of giving a perspective to the rest of the fan base as you guys are, are obviously closer to the impact that, that Justin has on the floor, you know, were your expectations a little bit more in line with what's kind of played out, assuming he's been out for the time that he has. Uh. Not really. You know, I thought – I didn't think that we would be this close to 500, honestly. I thought that, you know, we would take our bumps and bruises, lose some games here and there, but I never thought that we would be, like, where we are right now. But that's not to say that that, that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's just where we're at right now. You know, I didn't have, like, super expectations. I mean, I didn't have expectations last year. And these guys made it all the way to the final four. So, you know, you, just, so, you never so know. You didn't believe in Colin is what you're saying. I'm just putting that on record. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't believe in him. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit, A-Ray. Don't worry about it. No, nah, I know. I know. But, I mean, we all like, we all didn't think that this team was like final four. We all gave them sweet 16. And they just kept pushing and shocked us and made it all the way to final four. That's the journey of a season. 
I mean, you don't know what's going to happen throughout the season. Nobody could have said that Justin was going to get hurt in the Elite Eight. Like, you don't know who you're going to play. You don't know who's going to be hurt on other teams. So, like, stuff just happens in weird ways, and you just got to continue to grind and push forward, like A-Ray said. But, I mean, I knew this year, going into this year, we are going to struggle. Like, you don't – Coach Wright is a Hall of Fame coach. Nep's the right guy for the job, was with – a bunch of these guys for multiple years. He was with Slater for a couple years, Caleb for a couple years, Justin for a couple years. Obviously not having Justin to to start the season hurts. He's supposed to be the guy, the leader, um, the guy who is ball dominant and can do everything and guard the best players. And he was was the guy who guarded everybody last year, everybody's best player last year. We need a tough bucket. You could give him the ball. Jermaine was the same way. He he did all the little things, and um, those guys sometimes get underappreciated, but they, they really did carry the load and do a lot of little things, and now Slate's in a different position because uh, of Justin's injury. Caleb's in a more dominant ball position, uh, more ball-dominant position because of Justin's injury when he's really a two-guard that can guard multiple positions and score it at, at a high level and uh, he's a really good catch-and-shoot guy. Um, so he's learned how to be a facilitator now. Arch is in a different role. Eric's got to be more of a scorer um, and, and not be in foul trouble. So I think everybody's in a different position, a different role, and uh, it's tough to deal with that going into a season. So, um, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about the point guard position because I think that's one of the areas, to Rob's point, that we kind of – preseason setting expectation managing expectations maybe a better way to phrase that but the 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 point guard role has been an oft talked about role amongst the Villanova fan base um and this is, goes back years and years the the impact of of good guard play and it's easy to say hey next man up next man up next man up and i know that's the way the team thinks about it you got to be prepared to do your job when you're called upon, and if someone goes down, you got to be ready. But the impact of a point guard, and I'll say this in particular to the Villanova program, A. Ray, you, you've actually I've seen you say on Twitter before that it was Kyle who changed kind of like the program a little bit around and helped kind of round out your roster to make you guys into the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight team that you were, Colin. I'll, in your 2019, no, 2021 season, your 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 junior season, when you went down and Justin went down, we lost a couple games in a row to like Providence and Butler or what have you. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about the point guard position? Because I think that's one area in which, hey, we said, oh, Justin's down, and obviously Justin's the best player in the team, but like I don't think as a fan base we – really fully appreciate how much a point guard makes a difference on this team on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Um, Like Chris is doing what he needs to do. He's running a team. He's getting us into offense. uh, And he's a guy that, you know, is going to go out there. He's going to play his ass off every night. He's going to compete for 40 minutes and he's going to do everything that the coaches ask of him. In terms of Villanova basketball, he's going to dive on the floor, take charges, um, and that's what you need out of your leaders. Like 
your oldest guys don't have to be your leading scorers. They got to make sure and maintain the culture of Villanova basketball. And it's always been that way. I know coach probably said it to A-Ray all the time. And you look at them sideways, like, but I, I'm like, it's my turn to score, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. But that's really what he cared about. He wants you to be the guy that was going to maintain the culture, uh, be a leader, and make sure that the team was playing Villanova basketball. And he's that guy. Chris has done it. Um, and he did it two years ago when me and Justin went down. He filled in. Um, so he's been in big games before. Uh, he, he knows what we're doing offensively. He knows what we're doing defensively. He's going to make sure or try to make sure that the team is connected um, on both ends of the floor. So he's a guy that's just out there you can rely on, you can count on uh, to make sure that we're playing Villanova basketball. And Mark is going to be really, really good the next couple of years because uh, he can do a little bit of everything. He's super athletic. He's quick. He can shoot it. Um, and he he get it to the rim and finished in a in a variety of ways. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that point guard position is a crucial position in uh, Villanova basketball. Um, you know, they just guys like Colin, Jalen, Kyle. You know, these these guys just always used to get us going. So, like for example, with Kyle, I, I you know I always say that all the time. You know, Kyle came in and and change the way we played, you know, it just made everything easier. Um, we all, me and Randy, we already were like good scorers. So, you know, they kind of played us tight and it gave Kyle an opportunity to really go out there and like establish himself. And once he did that, you know, it was hard for teams to try to key on all three of us, you know, and if I was going, you know, one night, then Randy was going the other night, but Kyle always, every night, brung the same intensity, did the same things, get us wide open shots, get steals. He was a dog on defense. Like, he just fit in and played his role for what we needed for that team. And I think that's great with uh, some of the guards at Villanova. They do the same thing. They do what's good for the team and what they need at that time in order to win. And I, and I think that's, like, Villanova basketball right there, like, having a point guard all the time that knows what they're doing. So, and also like um, Colin said, I think Mark, he's going to get there, but everybody can see that, you know, he's really going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think that uh, Mark, obviously quite talented. You can see the minutes up ticking, starting to get all the different components of our defense, getting stronger, um, getting better. I, I think one element to Chris Arch's game that goes a little bit underappreciated is that is that when we're talking about the defensive side, obviously, a he brings down a lot more boards than you'd expect from from a guard, and then two, um, his ability to front the post um, when we get switched out, where where Eric's at the top of the key on defense and, and Arch is down low, his ability to be strong enough to handle that is uh, is pretty big. In the Xavier game, I specifically remember that. He he uh he intercepted a pass trying to go over the top to Nunji. So I like that's a, just an example, but that's one element of his game that I think does go a little bit underappreciated. Yeah, and I think his leadership too. You know, a lot of people overlook that, and you know, I think that's one of the big reasons that he's in the game. You know, he brings a lot of leadership, a lot of veteran leadership, and um, you know, especially when he's on the court with Mark. You know, I think that helps out 
a lot to, you know, people got to understand that, you know, you, you need leadership on the court. Yep. All right. We got a uh, Nova junkie. Who's, uh, who's here. You come off of, uh, you come off of uh, mute when you, when you're, uh, when you're ready. Uh, but I know you've been up waiting to speak for a while. So if you got a question, we're ready to hear you. Yeah. So uh, this Nova junkie here, I'm just trying to understand, like, after seeing this team go eight and nine, seeing effectively like no efficiency, no use, no like um, quality usage out of Chris Archiakana, how you guys can sit on this Twitter space and defend him or Neptune, who's shown no progress or if anything, like the team has just continued to devolve. We've we've lost recruits, we've lost Brizzy, we never gave him a chance, and we're pushing a kid who borderline shouldn't even be on a D1 court. It just seems odd to defend like that type of coaching. And I think like I speak for a lot of people who are pretty frustrated and would appreciate like um some some more calls for Neptune to potentially be fired and hard you sound the spoiled. You sound spoiled. Yeah, there's no way Nep is gonna get fired and but you know we gotta have patience it's it's, it's what it's the cards we dealt right now you know everybody's upset we all upset we all want to see everybody win but it's just the cards that we dealt right now you know we can't just be out there pointing fingers already and fire neptune and like that's just it's just too premature so i guess the question then would be so why didn't villanova run like an actual um, interview process for coaches rather than when we were at final four Jay Wright already knew he was gone they interviewed multiple people so my understanding is that they did not run a formal process and that they like had handpicked Neptune they didn't interview other coaches from around the country who would have been much more qualified than a guy with one year of coaching experience yeah I, I, I'm gonna step in here I'm gonna step in here for a second we've had one family tree of coaches for 50 years. Raleigh Massimino handed the reins to Steve Lapis. Didn't work out as great. Still was coached for 10-plus years, or about 10 years, who handed the reins to Jay Wright. Both were Raleigh's assistants. Kyle Neptune was Raleigh's assi- Kyle Neptune was Jay's assistant. The choices were Coach Ash, uh, Kyle Neptune, Baker Dunleavy, Couple other guys who were who were going to be. Why would Villanova go out of a coaching well, has, tree that has gotten that has gotten to that has gotten to five Final Fours and made and won three national so championships? I, like, that, just think about that. Yeah. For so a I think my my counterpoint to that would be that like there are plenty of like very successful coaches that um, do not have super quality coaching trees beneath them. Like like I mean you've seen with Belichick and Saban like and some other coaches that it doesn't, it's not always necessarily the case. And I don't think you've really seen success out of Baker Dunleavy or Ashley Howard, or, I mean, you didn't really see great success out of Neptune at Fordham. They're doing Quinnipiac great this year. What's that? Quinnipiac is great this year. And Net brought a two and 16 Fordham team to 500 team last year. So. Yeah. But now they're 13 and three without him. They're, I don't think, I don't think anyone misses uh, 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 his, the, the guy the who took his reins right? is Keith Ergo, who was on our roster, who was on our staff for years, and was working with <laughs> Neptune. It was bad. That was bad. Like, like, like. Here, here's the thing, guys. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, I keep going back to this, right? Like, we're not going to hire Rick Pitino. Like, we're Villanova. We're a sixty-five hundred person Catholic school. Like in a hamlet outside of Philadelphia, like just, just like we have to be realistic as to who we're going to hire. Like I get it, 
like, winning two national championships, winning four, going to four Final Fours in the last thirteen years is like makes you think well, maybe we're Kentucky. But we're not Kentucky. Like it's just like I I, I don't I, I just don't understand what the what the exact ask is here from from that perspective. We That's do, not how we've won in the past. We do things very differently at Villanova, and um, I know if if the team that you grew to love at Villanova was the last six or seven years. Then you went. If you went out of the family to get another head coach, it's not going to be the same. And you could look at a team. You could get a team that's going to be thirteen and eighteen one year, and then you could get a team that's good one year. But you're not going to see the same stuff every year. So you either want it that way, or you could keep it in the family, and you know what you're going to expect. Like you know what to expect every year out of what you're going to get coaching wise, players wise, how the team's going to play. So. I, mean, I think a lot of the frustration comes to comes from the fact that, like, I mean, it's not like Neptune has like super deep ties to the university. It's not like he's a John Shire where he was where he played here or was an alumni. And I guess the question is like, why should we be giving him like such a long leash? Like, he doesn't really have any. Um, he doesn't really have a, like a particularly strong resume. And I mean, there there are other coaches. I know like what you're saying, and I totally hear it. Like, we're not Kentucky. We don't have the capital to go poach any coach in the country but there are a lot more qualified coaches that i think like would have been worth probably at least running like a formal process instead of and like i i know everyone here has like utmost respect for jay wright but it doesn't necessarily always you know make sense for um him to just pick his his successor um like i think there there should have been like other considerations i and i think um i don't think that's too crazy to say yeah that's been in the program since 2009 so he's been here for 14 years. He's been three Final Fours. Yeah. So I mean, he does have ties to the program, and he's been here for a very long time. Listen, yeah. Colin came for all the smoke. <laughs> I, I, I'm not hearing any of the disrespect. And let's get <laughs> off the table right now. Jalen Brunson's an NBA All-Star. Maddie Segrist is National Player of the Year. Had to let that be known. I, well, we can agree with both of those for sure, 100%. <laughs> Anyone who disagrees with that is crazy. Um, look, I, look, I, I appreciate it. This, ha- this conversation has to come up. We've heard too much of it. I, I've, let, I've let it run um, because, because – and, and, you know, to, to some degree, I do appreciate Nova Junkie kind of coming up and, 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 and even though he created a burner to do it. Um, I do appreciate him coming up and actually like voicing that thought. It's, it's obviously out there, right? Like I'm not going to sit here and gloss over the fact that, that it's out there. We've all had it in the, in the mentions and whatever. Um, but you know, I am, that, that is what it is. We got, we got Jalen Brunson up now too. I don't know if he needs an introduction, uh, but <laughs> Jalen Brunson, two-time national champion. Um, JB, what are your thoughts here? Um, so first, Colin, I love you. Second, um, I don't really have that much to say. I don't know what's been said. Uh, I've been in and out of the um, the space, but I think most importantly, patience is needed. This is going to be new. This is just, when Coach Wright came here in '01. It took time. Like things aren't going aren't always going to be as easy as he made it to be these last couple of years. And so, um, obviously, coach leaving so abruptly and so kind of out of the blue, like, kind of made things uneasy for a lot of people, including the players. So, 
you got to cut them a lot of slack too. Like even the players that were coming and thinking they were coming to play for coach right now, they're playing for a whole different coach. Like they can't just turn a switch on and on about who they're playing for. Like they have to grow a relationship with the guy. And a lot of the guys that Nep may have been there for the recruiting visits with some of those guys, but I mean, they were coming to play for coach, right? So all I have to say is, is that patience is, is needed. And um, we got to let these guys grow and mature. And honestly, this might be the best thing for them uh, to have this type of struggle, how they're going to respond. Like our, like when we were there, when I was there, everything was about how do you respond to situations. So if everything is being preached that I think is being preached and everything is being said that I think should be and is being said, then we'll be all right. But at the same time, we can't overreact. We can't overreact. We've had it great for the last decade, 15 years or whatever. We've had it fantastic. Now we go over one little obstacle and that everyone is ready to jump ship. Amen. Let's just be be who we are. Let's be solid. Let's just be fans from afar. And let them do what they got to do and be on their side 110%. So, 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 so one thing, uh, so JB, I, I mean, obviously completely agree. And I don't think, and to be honest with you, people signing up on a Thursday night to, to listen to a Twitter space and, and, and try and get some, and try and get educated on, on, on Villanova basketball. I think a lot of people here are, are strong fans and express it in different ways. So I, I do think that there's an element of, of that. And I am fully on board. Like Neptune deserves a ton of patience We're, we've played 17 games total um, under him obviously hasn't gone as well as, as we like, but I do feel like, I, I do feel like there's a couple of things that, that, I, that are worth kind of going out to. I do, I do hear one refrain from fans a, a lot about the recruiting element of things. Um, and obviously, A. Ray, you kind of came in at the beginning of of, of Jay's era um, when he was, although he had been to a, um, a couple tournaments, when he was a pretty unproven coach at that point in time. You guys had NIT runs, and I'm sure at the be- at the beginning of your era, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of yelling and screaming amongst the fan base too. Kind of, can you give us a little bit of? Uh, of what that looks like, the road from, you know, taking a, a new coach, taking the reins to, to kind of, to kind of becoming a, a, a big program. What is that? You were there. What does it look like? I mean, it's difficult. You know, like I said earlier, it's, it's a, it's a big learning experience. It's a, it's a lot to take in coming from high school, you know, and uh, it's a lot of emotions. Like I said, guys, we out there playing hard, don't want to lose games. And uh, we out there fighting. So it's difficult to stay uh, mentally, like, ready, mentally with it. You know, it's, it's a lot of times you, you like, want to give up and might feel like, oh, this is not right for me. But, you know, you just got to stick through with the process. And that's one of the things with Villanova. You know, they always teach that and they instill that in you in that process and that grind. And um, I think that's why we became successful. You know, all Nova teams know how to grind. On the recruiting front, what did you? What was kind of like the sell? What was the sell for you, right? Like Jay was kind of unproven at that point in time. What was the sell from from a new coach to say, "Hey, come here and play for me"? What 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 got you to trust in him? Oh, that was easy. Um, I spoke to Coach Wright a couple of times, and uh, you know we've met, but it was just a family feeling, the family atmosphere. 
Um, I don't know if you remember Coach Joe Jones. He was assistant coach at the time. Uh, he came all the way to the Bronx, and uh, he came to the park that I used to play basketball in, and we was there in the middle of the Bronx, and we're talking and having fun. And that's when I knew. I was like, this guy came all the way to the South Bronx to come chill with me. He really wanted me to come to this school. Like, they really wanted me to come here. And it was just a no-brainer for me. It was easy. You know, I just felt like family from day one. So, so Jalen and Colin, were either of you guys recruited by Kyle directly or indirectly? Uh, he was yes. at a few of my games. Yeah, he came to a couple of my games in high school, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, your experience with him. Obviously, you guys have deep relationships with him, and I, go, I know you guys go way back. So, like, it's personal at this point to have someone say you should fire Kyle. But, like, but like tell me about his recruiting pitch, how he is as a recruiter, because that's one of the things that a lot of people have talked about is his skill in doing so. So can you talk a little bit about that? I'll just – for me, I'll just say – I've all I've gotten recruited by all the coaches there. Like at some point, at some some time on the road to going to Villanova, all the coaches came to see me or whatever. But for me as a player, I knew that I was going to play for Coach Wright. Like no, it was obviously no disrespect to any of the coaches, but the person who makes all the decisions, who determines everything, was Coach Wright. So Coach, like obviously has those people on his side and they do a lot of great things for them. But at the end of the day, like you, the players have to be on board and be on the same page as their head coach or they're, or they're going to be miserable or they're not going to have fun. Or they're not going to be fully bought in. So they have to find a way the players and the coaching staff has to find a way to make sure they're all on the same page. So it doesn't matter like the recruiting, all that stuff. Recruiting is 10 times different from, from when I got recruited. Like kids are getting paid now in high school. Like yeah. it's not right. the same anymore. Right. There's no. It's not. It's that's probably why coach got out. It's not the same anymore. So for me, it it doesn't matter like about the assistant coaches and all that stuff. The head coach has to make sure that the player is comfortable with him. For me, mine was right. a little bit different. Wasn't I? Ain't really like I saw Nep a few times at a couple of my games, but it was really Ash. Uh, and Bakes, and they were a big part of the reason why I was there. Ash was a Philly guy, um, and I knew that he had fought for me. Uh, I was on the phone with him sometimes till like, 1 in the morning. Uh, he would call me after the games, and um, it was annoying at the time, but like like A-Ray said, like that, that dude really wanted me to be a part of it, and um, obviously I went and met with Coach a couple times, and um, he was just really realistic with me. Uh, he preached the family aspect of it, told me that I was going to work. I was going to become a better man uh, from being there. Um, and he told me that I was going to be a bunch behind a bunch of guys that uh, were older and that were going to help me grow and learn and um, told me I was going to redshirt and told me I might not play until my junior and senior year, but it was bigger than, than me and it was about the team and I wanted to be a part of it. But also the thing that goes into it is, is coach, a lot of those guys – um, like JB was saying, like they, they committed to coach and um, Nep's got to still prove himself. And uh, that's why the recruiting classes look the way that they look right now. But like the more that you see that he's going to prove himself and um, guys are going to love playing for him, uh, that'll change. But 
I think for everybody, their, their story, the recruiting story is a little bit different and it's way different now. Like you could recruit somebody and then he could leave the next year because he didn't like the way that it went or he doesn't like something certain about it. So it's very different. So I guess in the NIL and obviously the transfer portal era is, and, and I know you guys mentioned, maybe that's one of the reasons why Jay kind of, you know, uh, Jay headed for the exits, but is one of the reasons that Jay said it very early on that Kyle had some great ideas around that. You see friends of Nova coming in with Ash Howard and Randy Foy. Um, talk, do you guys have any insight into that? Um, that, that, that element of the recruiting? Cause obviously that's going to be a big factor going forward. And we have a lot of speakers queued up. I see all you guys, we're going to get you guys going just a second. Um, so I just, I just had that one question around NIL and, and transfer portal. Um, not too much right now. Um, I know they were supposed to do a podcast with Curtis. So I was talking to him about it and I was going to find out a little bit more, but don't know too much. Let them, if you could, let them know I, that we'd be happy to have them on our podcast too and, and get whatever we can. And get, I'm sure every Villanova fan, if they can contribute, would like to hear more. So I, I'd love to talk to them. But I definitely want to uh, want to want to want to have that happen. Whatever we can to do to support Nova. Um, all right, let's go to some let's go to some guest speakers. Uh, we got a, we got a ton. Um, so I'm going to go through the requests. Let's get uh, let's get uh, let's get Ryan up here. Ryan Hartnett leads leads the student section. Always there, always front and center. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Chris? What's up, hey, Ray and CG? How are you guys doing? What up? What up? All right. Having fun right now. Hell yeah, man. This is an awesome space. So uh, I appreciate you guys being here and uh, let me uh, share some thoughts. But uh, I kind of want to get your guys' take uh, on a question I had prepared earlier today. Alan, you kind of went through a similar kind of up and down season during your freshman and sophomore year with Villanova. And Colin, obviously you didn't have that uh, when you, uh, in your sophomore and junior years, obviously two or three game losing streaks. But uh, obviously with a big game coming up tomorrow against DePaul, (laughs) Uh, obviously, uh, this this is a big game. The Cats are coming off uh, a two-game losing streak. They won with Wood a third. What is the mindset that, obviously, Colin, you played under uh, Coach Nepp when he was an assistant. What's the message being relayed to the guys as they get ready to take on Butler tomorrow in the house of horrors, that is Henkel Fieldhouse, uh, to finally get a win that can kind of prove themselves uh, going and kind of kickstart an engine for the rest of the year? What's the mindset? Go ahead, Kyle. Um, it's really about playing Villanova basketball for 40 minutes. Like, um, we always say, like, we're not worried about the score, wins or losses. Like, obviously, you're going out there to win. Like, the players know that. But um, making sure that you're competing and, and giving your body up for your teammates, uh, playing every possession, uh, executing, doing all the little things. Uh, and normally when you do all that, you focus on all that stuff, the rest of it takes care of itself and, and you'll find yourself playing better. You'll find your team playing better. Um, so I think their message is going to be basically they're not changing anything. Like you're going out there to play Villanova basketball for 40 minutes. That's what it's going to be. CG, hey, I got a that. question. Why, why is it so hard to play at Butler? Like why does everybody say that? I've, I've never, played, real, at, I've never <laughs> played at Butler. <laughs> 
for me, I think I don't know. We lost my freshman year, sophomore year we won, junior year we lost, and then senior year we lost, and last year we won. I think it's just like the environment. There's a lot of history in there, and bro, like everywhere, like you know this. No matter like if you play at Butler or not, everywhere you go, every team is fired up to play Villanova. Like that was always the biggest game. You had a target on your back, and Butler was always good too. Like they play a similar style of basketball. Um, they have their own little thing, the Butler way, and it's all about how we say Villanova basketball, being a tougher team, being more physical. Um, so they play a very similar style of basketball. And then you might catch them in the afternoon game where the sun's shining through Hinkle Field House and their fans are going crazy. But um, yeah, they got us a few times when we were there. I don't really know how to explain it. It's just the history, yeah. they get really fired up. Yeah, they steal some big wins in that in that gym every year. Yep. All right, all right. Let's go to. Um, we're gonna bring up someone else. Let's go to. Uh, man, I got a, we got a huge queue. <laughs> hey, Ray, you seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> Ten people. All right, we're gonna go to Matt Grasso. Matt, what's up, man? Yeah, he's still connecting. Matt, you're uh, you're good to go when you come off of mute. There you go. Thanks, man. Uh, I got a question for Colin. Just, you know, you mentioned your sophomore year earlier and the struggles, I guess, coming after losing a bunch of guys off that championship team. And I thought it was really similar going into this year uh, with the losing the guys, having two kind of heralded freshmen, um, and also having a couple of fifth years. What did you guys do to kind of – mitigate all those losses after the after the championship season uh we went through it practices were brutal film sessions were long um and the more that we played together we weren't uh we didn't have a lot of injuries that year we were kind of healthy and uh, we got to play together a lot in practice um and we had some really bad losses in the beginning of the year then we went on a couple of games where we won and then we had a couple of losses towards the end of the year and then we finished up and got smoked, but um, we relied on our seniors a lot. Um, Eric and Phil, they were huge for us in terms of leadership, um, and, and they made a lot of tough shots for us. Um, but also, we were like we were young. I wasn't how I wasn't doing what I was supposed to in certain games, and, and being the type of guy I was supposed to be. Jermaine was still learning; he was coming off the bench on the like starting some games. And then we relied on younger guys. I think Sadiq was a freshman. So it, it's very similar uh, to what's going on right now. But we had Coach Wright, and uh, now Nep is in that position. He's learning on the fly as well. He's a second-year head coach, so he's got to get used to all of his guys. playing. Like He's playing the younger guys um, and leaving them out on the floor to kind of play through mistakes sometimes. When um, my sophomore year, Coach didn't really have that leash as much, and um, they're really thin on the bench right now, and Justin's hurt, so he doesn't have that leader, that go-to guy that he could kind of just put the ball in his hands and be like, all right, go make a play, whether it's scoring or just getting the best shot possible right now. Do you think Do you think some of the, the fan bases, you know, the disconnect between fan base expectations is kind of like the whiplash? Is like, hey, we were, you know, three Final Fours in seven years. Like, I know it's spoiled, right? Like, that's obvious. But, like, 
but like three Final Fours in 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 six years. I sorry, and 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 then all of a sudden it's like eight and nine, and some of it's just whiplash. Candidly, you think some of it's that? I think you just gotta be patient. Like JB said, it is patience. Like you have a new coach, you have a guy who was supposed to be your leader who hasn't played at all this year. You're playing and relying on a bunch of younger guys, which is ultimately going to make them better down the road. But, like, you have to go through those growing pains. And I think he hit it on the head. Like, you have to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. Guys got to get familiar with the coach. Like, even all the coaches are in a new role. Like, Nep's a new head coach at Villanova. George is associate head coach. Like, all those coaches are in new positions, and they were all on the same level a year and a half ago, two years ago. So, like, you got to adjust all that. The players are adjusting to it. There are new roles. It's part of it, but um, you just got to be patient with it. Like, you can't expect, like, the UNC, the thing that happened last year, like, you can't expect the team with the new coach and a bunch of young guys to go to the Final Four just the year after they went the year before or something like that because that's their program. Like, these guys are going to learn, they're going to grow, they're going to go through it sometimes, but then they're going to get better because of it. Yep. All right, let's go to a couple uh, – let's go to something. George Crane has been hanging out here for a while, so I, I feel bad for that. George, sorry for the delay. Um, what are your thoughts? You come off a mute and you're good to go. Yeah, can, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear okay, you. Okay, great. Uh, hey, first of all, um, thanks for setting this up tonight. Uh, appreciate it. and. Colin, thanks for joining. And um, first of all, hey, like most of you guys on here, uh, I think uh, I love this team, and uh, I, I haven't given up. And I'm going to be as patient as I need to be because I've been there for forever. Um, but shout out um, to you. I think thanks. Uh, I think I think we know what Villanova basketball looks like. I think I think you know Nep is brought on for the reasons that have been mentioned, keep the culture going. And, you know, the culture is uh, Villanova basketball. And some of the things that we know are part of Villanova basketball uh, that I think that I'm not seeing as much. And I don't know if I want to see if you guys uh, are not seeing a couple of things that, you know, everybody says that's Villanova basketball. Uh, two things in particular are bounce passing and jump stopping in the lane and then bounce passing out or passing out to the, to the wing or passing, passing back out to the corner. But, uh, you know, it, it, we don't seem to be taking those skills, you know, Coach Wright uh, or even Colin or the players when, when they speak say, you know, we, we, we we gotta it's habits it's practicing those habits every day in practice we gotta you gotta you gotta create those habits and those are two habits that that we don't seem to be doing as much as we we always did and I know we have some young guys out there but we seem to be losing a couple of those things and and those things are the things that were really part of our identity and and I guess I'm wondering if we we're and, and maybe that's part of a guard thing when we need, you know, when we lose some, someone like a Colin or, or some of our point guards, 
we, 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 those are the guys that bring some of that. But uh, are you guys seeing that we're losing some of those skills that, that are part of that culture or part of that, you know, part of Villanova basketball? Uh, I guess that's more of an offensive thing, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the, I mean, I don't have too much squabbles with the defense, even though we have our moments, but, you know, we're, 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 we're not giving up all that many points. We're not getting crushed on the defense that much, but it's, uh, you know, you don't put the ball in the basket, hey, don't go in. But it's some of those little things that are habits that, you know, that kind of drive you crazy. Yeah, I think that starts in practice. Like, those guys work on it every day in practice. Now it's just got to – they got to translate it over to games, and that comes with decision-making and uh, getting in those in those situations and being comfortable to do it in a game. Obviously, the older guys have worked on it a lot, and um, I, I catch most of the games. But, yeah, I think that's just going to start with practice and comfortability, and the younger guys got to get used to it and with those habits and concepts. Yeah, it's just real – it's real cliche, man. You're gonna hear say a lot of the same things because that's just the culture of of the of the program. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks thanks for listening. Uh, this is a good good therapy session, and and uh, hang in there, guys. We're, we're we're gonna do it. I hope I hope Justin gets back soon. Hope he comes back, and I think he'll he'll help us a lot if he can. And Colin, thanks for coming on. Hey, Ray, good to hear you. Appreciate you. And. Uh, you, Thank you. You, you guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks, George. Really appreciate it. Hey, All right. Hey guys, I, I got a question for you. I think one of the refrains that we've heard and we've seen, and I think honestly, like we've preached a little bit on the podcast too, is that hey, you know, let's try some of the younger guys, and we want to see some more minutes from from some of the younger rotation as well too. But I'm sure as a fan base and a casual watcher, like there's stuff that we're missing there. So I'm curious, like what your guys take is, you know, what's the fan base missing that, that holds some of these freshmen back that really shows that that isn't necessarily the answer, or I guess, could that be the answer? Um, I think we all definitely want to see the freshmen play. You know, that's one of the big things with the fan base, but you also got to take into consideration, you know, it's going to be more turnovers, you know, um, and, and you're seeing that now, you know, freshmen is a, uh, they're, they're very aggressive, and, and it's a learning process for them. So, you know, we got to take take the good with the bad. And, and I think that's what uh, Nova Nation got to understand, especially with those guys. We got to take we got to take the good with the bad. They're, they're, they're still learning. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, we haven't been a while since we've, like, really relied on freshmen, and you're seeing it this year, like, there's going to be lapses in the defense or the rotations because of communication and uh, playing together. Then there's going to be turnovers on offense, bad shots, because these guys are used to being the guys in high school, getting whatever shots they want, being the best players on the floor. And the game's more physical. It's faster. So they're not getting the same looks. And it's going to be a lot tougher to score, especially with the spacing and uh, the paint. So, I mean, you could – Throw the younger guys in there, but you got to take the good with the bad. Like A-Ray said, like there's going to be struggles and um, you really 
can rely on your older guys because you know what to expect. You know what they're gonna gonna do out there. We have uh, we have Joseph coming up ready to speak. I get him on in one second. I do have one question defensively. So there are moments where we do have really good defensive possessions, and then we don't grab that rebound. Or if it's not as much, we get our hands on the ball and fumble out of bounds. Whatever whatever it may be, it's like the it's like closing the possession with a board. What is there something in practice that you guys did or do to do that? Obviously, we preach. It's very clear from outside looking in that, that it's preached to like go after the boards as a guard, like team rebounding, because oftentimes we are undersized and have been. That's been the staple of the program for twenty years. So I, I was, I'm curious about that. Like, how do we close those possessions down um, where we do actually have a successful defensive possession? I mean, it just comes down to experience again. It's, it's cliche. You can see in the games, like, our problem is we'll play good defense and they'll come down to a key moment. And that's when we decide to, like, make the mistake, not communicate. We'll have a – it'll be a key moment. We'll be up. We got the momentum. And we'll have a miscommunication, no switch, and the team will get a wide-open three. Like, you can't teach that in practice. That's that's something you got to learn in the game. And that, that just comes with, like, feel and maturity. Like, it just happens all the time with us. Like, that's one of the biggest things I see. In the key moments, we just make the the biggest mistakes. We play good during the game, but the key moments, we make – we don't communicate. And I, I just think that's that's the hump that we have to get over. Yeah. All right. We're going to lose Colin in just a second. But, Joseph, you're up, man. What's up? Yeah, so my question is pretty much about recruiting, and I know I recognize a lot of people in here. Um, I know this season is what it is. I mean, look at Kentucky. In my opinion, they're the you know bluest, the blue bloods. They've had a bad year a couple of years ago, and they look like they're going to lose probably double-digit games again this year, maybe a 500 record. So it is what it is for us. But my question is on the recruiting front, NIL. When Jay Wright first started, there was no such thing as NIL. Sure, you had teams like Louisville, Kentucky, you know, that were dropping off suitcases of cash in hotel locker rooms. And, you know, it is what it is. But in today's day and age, you see teams like Kansas State, Missouri, Alabama, Tennessee, who have never won anything and have coaches who have never won anything, pulling in five-star recruits right and left. We can't feasibly compete with them NIL money-wise. They pump out alumni by the volume compared to us. So going forward, like what is the recruiting landscape looking for us when a lot of recruits are looking for the best NIL package and they're not really looking at the pedigree of the school? When Jay Wright first took over, we were still top 10 all time in Elite Eights, tournament appearances, things like that. We had a national title. And today we're sixth all time in tournament appearances, you know, top 10 Elite Eights, all of that kind of stuff, Sweet Sixteens, you name it. But recruits aren't looking at that today. They're looking at, why can you get NIL? Same with transfers. That's what they're looking for. They're, you see them committing to Miami and the schools I mentioned. So where do we go from here when we f- can't compete with even schools like Penn State, Ohio State? You know, USC has unlimited money. Like, what do we do? Five stars aren't always the answer. I mean... Like you get a, you're going to get guys that want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's always been the Villanova culture. Like 
you got to find guys that fit your mold in your program. And it's always been that way. Coach Wright always talked about it. He got there was a span where he got a bunch of five star recruits and they thought they were doing the right thing. And I think some I don't know. It was a bad season that happened because of it. So it's not always the answer to get five star guys. You got to find guys to fit your program, fit your mold and your culture and what you want to be. And they got to be willing to just be a part of something bigger than themselves. So I think you got to look at their character, where they come from, uh, their family, um, and get to really know the kids. And, and the kids got to want to be a part of it. Like you're not just going to get a kid who wants to be a one and done because he's wants to be a one and done. He's got to be able to buy in and be a part of something bigger than himself. And that's where Villanova's always gotten the right guys. And you know, and you know, Colin, I'm in the same framework as you. I'm from the same area as you, same high schools. The point is, you see a lot of schools today that they don't have that kind of culture. They don't have that kind of cult, uh, coaching, but they're still pulling in high four stars, five stars, and they immediately went from basement dwellers to ranked teams consistently year after year. And that's only because they have the money to pull in recruits. Now, when you bring in big-time recruiting classes, PayPal Cal aside, because I don't think he's that good of a coach. He just always had the money at Kentucky. But the point is, you have a lot of schools, and Missouri and Kansas State I mentioned because they're forever ranked lately, despite the fact that their coaching is average and they have zero history. But they're bringing five stars and four stars in right and left now because they're paying them. Look at Anthony Black. He was going to commit to Gonzaga. Arkansas offered him more money. So he forewent the development he would have got from Mark Few to go and play at Arkansas. So you have a lot of players who are definitely favoring money and deals today over development. So my question is us, like we can't even compete with Penn State money-wise, Ohio State, you know, USC. We can't compete with Syracuse, any of these schools money-wise. They're just much bigger. So from here on out, if recruits are favoring money, and I know Congress is trying to revamp NIL, but it's government that can take forever. So until that actually happens, like what do we do from here on out when you have really small schools, you know, that might have a lot of money or they might have rich donors that can pay players off to get them? Like how do we compete with that? Like let's be honest. We have championships and final fours. That's gotta be your pitch. Like college was always about like going and get your degree and then going to the pros and Yada, yada, yada. And I know kids want money now, but, like, do you want those kids to come be a part of the program? Like, but that's it, who we are. I agree. Championships and Just, Final Fours have to be our pitch, but look at Kansas yeah. State, Missouri, and those teams. They have nothing. Yeah. But how long so, are they good for? Just, sorry, let me just let me just interrupt real quick. I, just because I know, Colin, I know you, you, you pinged me and you got to go. So I don't want to hold you up. I know you got dinner with your team, and we really, really appreciate as a fan base you coming in. Um because you got you got you got dinner going on. You guys are on the road. <laughs> you got a Denver Nuggets team that you got to uh, that you got to work with. So I, I really appreciate it. So Colin, I'm giving you the exit uh, ramp if if you got to run. So I just want to. I'm, I'm not. It's a good conversation, and I, I appreciate Joseph's question. But I just want to give you the moment to exit. Yeah, appreciate it. I mean, I love all you guys. I love Nova fans. Just be patient. Stick with the team. Stick with Nep. It's early. Just give them some time. Give give the uh, give the give the guys some time. They're gonna gel. They're gonna learn. They're gonna grow. Um, but still, to answer your question, it's gonna be about like the players that you get. Um, you you don't see young teams winning college basketball. You're not gonna win tournaments with young guys. Like 
you need older guys who have experience to get to final fours to win championships. And it's been that way for the last couple of years now. Um, so you want the right guys and the right people to be in your program. And it's not always about getting the highest guy, highest recruiter, the guy that wants the most money. So just keep that in mind. Stay patient. Patience is a virtue. Stick with NEP, stick with the team, and continue to be fans. But be respectful and treat these guys with respect. They're working hard and they're trying everything that they can. They're giving you guys everything that they can. So just stick with them. CG, Colin, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. A Ray, you're a real one. I'll let your boy. All right, bro. All right. Thanks, Colin. All right. We're, we're still running here. A Ray, how much time you got? You got about 20 more minutes. You got 20 more minutes. All right. Joseph, sorry. I, I, I wanted to get back. A Ray, I'm curious to get your kind of, uh, I'm curious to get your, uh, your thoughts kind of about Joseph's question around NIL and, and 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 the money aspect, I do I do think that that's a that's a thing, no, right? Like no, for sure. I mean, um, it's not only a Villanova problem, but it's a problem for a lot of teams in college basketball. You know, that's how I look at it. And um, you know, we we definitely have to figure it out in that aspect. And um, I just hope Neil doesn't turn college basketball into like how it is in college football, where all the teams with the most money got the best teams, the best players, and everybody else is just not on their level. You know, that that just wouldn't be good for college basketball. But I do agree with you with the NIL. You know, it, it, it is something that we do have to, to consider and and really get on the ball with. Yeah, I, I think that just to kind of close this one off, it's – I think Colin answered it pretty well, and I think it's something we need to keep in mind that we haven't, Villanova hasn't built its program off of the backs of five star recruits. We didn't build our success the way Kentucky did in the past decade plus, or the way Duke did in the past decade plus. Like we've had guys who are four stars, who are mid tier four stars, who are three stars, who have like Colin was a three star, and like you sprinkle in a selective five star every now and then who's special and can kind of take your program to the next level there. But it's about all those pieces coming together, and it's about that growth. It's not necessarily about just bringing in all the five stars. So should you ignore NIL? Absolutely not. Like, you need to be aware of it. You need to have a plan for it. But thinking that that's going to be the the end of our program, I think is, uh, I think just kind of overlooks what happens in the, in the past decade and just paints a, a very modern picture on things. Awesome. All right, let's get another uh, let's get another couple questions up here. We've had uh, Simone um, looking to speak for a bit. Simone, you're up. You come off a of mute. Bottom left. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah. Hey, th- thanks for taking my question. I I, uh, I had some stuff I was looking at uh, the other night when uh, Alan Ray was tweeting. And I was kind of looking at how the commentators always hone in on these, like, oh, Villanova, such a low turnover team stat over and over and over again. And I think the most concerning thing that I see is that even though we turn the ball over low, it's probably per 100 possession relatively high, um, all things considered. And then when you look at it, 
the defensive turnovers forced is still at like 11. And I think, you know, versus 10 offensive. And I think like one of the things I've gotten so used to is guys like Slater and Bridges, you know, coming out and making big defensive bids on the ball with the support, knowing that what they got behind them exists, you know, we talked a lot about like how you can build that in practice, but I feel like we got to get these young kids going sort of more aggressive on defense, not just participating in all the correct areas, but really going for the ball, knowing that they got the experience like Dixon, Daniels, Slater behind them to kind of support and switch where they need to if they make a mistake. So like, I feel like we got to start really getting the kids moving more aggressive to the ball. And like, how do you feel like that's going to happen throughout the year? Or how can we encourage that more? Um, that's just going to come with repetition and practice. Every day, just continuing to go over the defensive game plan. Um, I remember vividly Coach Wright, you know, we used to have uh, real intense defensive practices all the time. Um, we, would, we would actually score points on defense. You know, that's, those are the type of drills that we would do. Um, we would never, like, get, we would get points on offense, but it would come off of the defense. So, you know, that, that, took, that takes time. And like I said, you know, coming from high school, and going into college is different. You know, in, in high school, you, you're the best player. You can do whatever you want on the court. You can guard anybody because you're, you're, you're more physically gifted than them. And then coming into college, you're playing against somebody just as big as you or just as fast as you or if not bigger and faster. So it's a it's an adjustment to learn. And, you know, the, the basketball IQ is higher. Guys are smarter than high school. So it's it's a lot to take in. But that's just going to come with repetition and the will of, like, wanting to actually learn. So we just got to sit back and wait and see if they pick that up. Yeah, that's, that's, it's really interesting. I'm really, I'm really excited to see guys like Cam and Mark Armstrong really start to get after the ball more aggressively on defense. So I'm, I'm really interested in that. And, I, you know, I just wanted to shout, shout out all you. Just, like, thanks for this. This was great. And also just wanted to say to some of the Villanova fans – be a little bit more respectful of other teams' programs. Programs like Arkansas, they got good coaches now. So, you know, don't be haters out here. Yeah. All right, Simone, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming on. All right, we're going to get uh, – we're going to get uh, – let's see, Cam Whitmore, Campus Corner uh, on here um, with, the, with, the, with the beautifully signed hat. What's up, man? Or Yo, yeah. hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great, sure, man. Thanks Thanks for putting this together. Actually, if you look at the top left corner, I met A-Ray. What's up, man? I'm 30 years old. I remember meeting you during one of the summer uh, open practices. I got your hat signed by you, Marcus Austin, Foy, Jay Wright, Lowry. I'm a long time, man. But I'm a millennial. And I wanted to bring up, I was thinking about what am I going to say today? And I could have brought up, you know, NIL, which is a great point. You know, oh, people transferring like Breezy. and What's that going to lead down the program? But I actually wanted to go more general about social media because i follow all you you guys do an amazing job between the full 40 and the and the youtube and the podcast and the pregame with with everybody this is i saw someone tweet the other day i don't know if it was from the yukon nation or somebody but that this is the first time in the age of social media where you know back when steve lapis was there or our down season in 11 and 12 or you know between right before 06 you know we didn't have twitter we didn't really have all the social media and all the everyone giving their opinion every three seconds. Now, no matter where you go, 
because of the analytics, and I'm in tech, right? When you refresh your page, you're seeing everything about what you follow and then what's related to that. So you're seeing all the bad stuff about Villanova, all the good stuff about UConn, all the bad stuff about Kentucky, all the great stuff about you name it. And that puts a big toll on the fan base and these players who, these are kids. These kids are 18, 19, 20 years old. I want to get your opinion on how do we come together so to, like, when we go to the Wells Fargo, I mean, I don't want to see 5,000 people there. And again, I know we're not going to see 20,000 people there like a Virginia game where DiVincenzo rolls up in the last second and does a you know, left-hand layup to win the game. But where do you see the impact of social media right now from, you know, from a negative standpoint on the players and as a fan base? Because again, what that person said was, these are, I mean, look, look at that burner account. Like, get a light. That could have been Mr. One of Hot Balls free. I hope, T, I hope T God's burner goes after him. But my point is, how do we leverage social media together? to maybe teach some of the younger fans that maybe only started watching Nova basketball in 14, 15, and they aren't older like the rest of us, or just maybe got into it and are older, to really bond together in a time of need, like this therapy session where we have over 300 people listening. So be proud of yourselves, gentlemen and ladies. Um, I think that's a great point with social media. And uh, I think one of the biggest things is, is like bragging rights. Like we, we losing. We don't have those bragging rights. We seeing all everybody else. Cause I agree with you. I open my Twitter and I follow NCAA basketball. I see teams everywhere, and they're and they're like social media presence, which is crazy because it wasn't like this maybe like two years ago. And uh, that's that's a real great point that you bring up, and you know that can cause some hurrah with the fans. And then in the comments, you could come in the comments and say what you want. There's a whole bunch of ideas floating around there. So it's just it's just like a toxic cesspool kind of sometimes, you know. And that's why I always try to keep things positive because, you know, you're going to see a whole bunch of negative stuff on Twitter all the time. And whether you believe it or not, these players, I'm pretty sure that they look at my Twitter you know, so I don't want them, like, coming on there all the time and seeing, like, a whole bunch of negative stuff. And that's, like, my big thing because I know that can affect them. I didn't have to go through this because I didn't have Twitter, thank God, because who knows <laughs> what, was, what was being said about us and the team and me. So I didn't have to deal with this. So this is also another, like, added pressure with, with these guys. You know, social media is real big. And trust me, they're on social yeah. media and they see that. That's a, that's a great point. I think social media, I see it a lot in football too, like, um, so, especially in the recruiting where someone will post, I'm making my decision in this amount of days, or I'm between these three schools. And then you'll just, the second someone posts those schools, you will just see thousands of comments saying, everyone thinks they're a recruiter. Everyone, everyone now can believe that they are a recruiter. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but. Yeah, that's really the – and I mean, I was actually hoping – I mean, maybe this will lead to a bigger discussion. Maybe not. I mean, I know we want to talk about, you know, the X's and O's and all that. But um, that's really all I had. I just want to – I mean, thank you. For, I thought this was actually yesterday. Uh, Full 40 knows that. But uh, it gave me an extra time to go and get a box of wine. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, T-God's oh, Burner just followed me back. So my life is made. So I'm going to go on mute. And thank you, guys. I love you guys. And, man, tune in tomorrow for Friday Night Lights because we be back. We never left. I feel you. I, <laughs> I love, love it. the energy, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, um, thanks for signing my hat when I was like, I don't even know how years old, but I still got that thing and I'm never leaving it. That's what's up.
I'll sign anything else too, man. Just let me know. Hit me up in the um in the uh, DM. That would my birthday's coming up. My birthday, um, February eleventh. You know I'll be there at Wells Fargo, man. Right front and center. So, shit. If you're there, I will bring everything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, we're gonna keep the requests coming. A Ray, I'm I'm conscious of your time. Right. I know you got about five minutes left. So, well, we're gonna get one more. We're gonna get one more question up here. Yeah, let's, let's um, do one Alex, more. Let's do one more. Yeah, Alex Heatherman. Uh, what's up? Alex, you there? Hey, guys. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, so, A-Ray, I kind of had a question for you, obviously, with you being there at the beginning of Coach Wright and stuff, and um, I feel like this would, would be a great thing for the team this year. Obviously, if you follow Vill- Villanova basketball and you you know them, they're big on attitude, and a lot of other programs, you know, you don't see that um, any anything like that from any other program. So my question is to you, I know Neptune still does it. Um, how did Coach Wright kind of – preach it to you guys day in and day out and obviously since you're at the beginning how did he kind of get you guys to buy into it and now it's just led on to every other team and that's something that separates us um from other programs and something that i think we really you know need even more this year um good question uh, i think it starts off the court um i think the whole thing with villanova is we they teach us to be stand-up men off the court first and um i think that translates on the court um being with Coach Wright, you know, especially in the beginning, um, it, it it was it was difficult, but it's having that trust, and that's also a part of attitude, trusting in the coach, trusting in yourself, trusting in your teammates, and um and and that's what we really pride ourselves on at that program, and uh, you still see it today. You know, there's no doubt. You know, we all watch the games. There's no doubt we we can't we can sit here and all agree that the team plays hard. You know, we can't say that they don't play hard. You know, they make they make their mistakes, but the um, effort is not an issue. And um and, and that also comes down to attitude as well. So, like, you see with the program, you see that we still have some of our staples there with the attitude. And, uh, you know, it's not a time to panic, even though we're not where we want to be. But, like I said, we just got to have patience. And uh, just trust the process. Just trust the process. Everybody gotta really trust in each other. That was the big thing with my class and and being with Coach Wright was just all all of us getting to trust each other. Thank you very much for getting my question, and thank you guys for putting this together. Yeah, Alex, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, we are going to continue here, but at this juncture, um, I know A Ray, you gotta. Um, you got to run. So I, uh, I, I just want to give every, I want to let everyone have an opportunity to, uh, to thank you. Um, I'm going to do it on behalf of everyone in Nova nation, but if you guys can to applaud him, etc. a rays did a professional career overseas after 2000 plus points at Nova, um, professional career that, you know, worked on, uh, you know, was at, on the Celtics for a little bit and then was, had a great career, overseas and then came back he's he's a loyal alum he tweets with us he's with us all the time it's really a testament to him more than anything else um and how much of a devote villanovan and wildcat that he is so i just want to say thank you to a ray um and 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 look forward to and we everyone looks forward to interacting with you more soon yes definitely man i appreciate all you guys um today was really great i think we really needed this um it just shows our cohesive 
cohesiveness in this community. Um, we got a real strong Nova community. And like I said, let's just be one of the best um, communities on social media. You know, let's not be like everybody else, all hateful all the time. You know, I understand everybody has feelings. Everybody deals with feelings differently. Trust me, I'm open-minded about that, and I understand. But, you know, just let's not be so emotional all the time, and let's let's ride out for our boys. I love it. Thanks, A-Ray. Really appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. For those... For those, um, for as A-Ray leaves, we're, we're still running. We're still going to go. We're going to talk to you guys as, long, as, late as, uh, as late as we possibly can. I'm, I'm willing to stay up as long as possible. So we still got some, some speakers in the, in the hopper, so to speak. I understand some of you might want to might run, and this space will be recorded. Uh, so we'll can, uh, we can listen later. Uh, but you know, we're going to keep it running here. So request, ask to speak, whatever you guys want to talk about, we're going to keep talking about it right now. Um, so with that being said, um, I am going to bring up JF from NJ, um, who has been patiently waiting to speak for a long time and probably had a question for one of the other two, (laughs) but, uh, what's up, man? Joe, Chris, is it you? Yeah, it's me. What's What's up, dude? Hey, hey. So I'll, I'm going to tweak my question a little bit because I, I was kind of fishing for something from A-Ray, but it's all right. He's so responsive and so awesome. I'm sure I can ask him another time. Honestly, if there was anyone that, honestly, we should feel pretty blessed that he's like as, you know, interactive as he is. It's like kind of like weird private access that no one else gets. Um, all right. So my first question, and this is probably more for, the broader full 40, I don't know if Willie's on here because I know he's more of the technical guy, but you guys, like, let me know what you think. So one of the things that, like, kind of really frustrates me with these games is, like, we we fall in these stretches where just, like, three-point chucking, you know? And it's, like, it's every like, – I feel like we have a team, with the exception of maybe Housen, where the three-point shot is, like, the second or third part of their game, and yet, like, we're like kind of forcing it, make everyone, it, making it the primary focus of the game, whether it be Dixon, whether it be Daniels, whether it be Slater. And it's like, uh, if you if you could curtail that, what would you ask them to do first? Like, what would you rather them do than take three point shot? Like, like, I mean, and then we'll just boil it down to like the overall offense. Like, what would you love to see them do? before they just settle for a three because I feel like all these guys shoot like a token like 32 34 percent and it's just like it drives me bonkers like it just I just I just think it's like it's like they're forcing something that's just not their natural like strength so I don't know what do you guys think yeah so it's interesting right because because you look at the actual components of the roster and you look at their three-point shooting percentages in the past and you think well, Dixon should be able to knock down a bunch of threes. Caleb, we've seen knock down a bunch of threes. Slater had a year where he had forty percent from deep. You know, it's and you know then then you got Cam and and whoever, and you say, well, hey, look, if you guys got an open three, shoot it. I think some of the issues though is you know we used to talk about this a lot is getting you know getting the pass to the good, better, best shot possible. Like shot quality, I haven't looked at the shot quality statistics in a bit, but I would like to know kind of where our shot quality stands. 
But if you look at free throw percentage and two-point percentage, this team shoots the ball well from two-pointers, which would, in some case, in a lot of cases, speak to the fact that, A, the, the team can shoot the ball on one hand. B, on the other hand, maybe the team should emphasize a little bit more on the two-point side just because that's what the analytics say. Hey, this team is an above-average two-point shooting team. Maybe focus a little bit there more. And in addition to all of that, Dixon is so skilled underneath that you'd like to see him get more shots off down low. I, 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 I'm with you. You know, I don't want to get rid of, so to speak, the three-point shot. I know that's not what you're saying, but I would. Uh, it is interesting. I, I would. I would love to see kind of a little bit more on the shot quality side, kind of where what what that says. For sure. Okay. And then um, my second one's more of a fun one. Um, I already told you. You know, when I know you guys like uh, whiskey, so. Um, I started off with a, an Old Forester uh, single barrel and transitioned to a Booker's um, Batch 2 of 2022. Why not what you guys drinking? And then... <laughs> I, I just polished off a bottle of Four Roses small batch, but that's a kind of – that's a really kind of like – it used to be like five years ago, like not as big a deal, but, uh, but now, it's a, uh, now, it's, now it's pretty popular. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. All right. We have another special guest. Um, Dwayne Anderson, coach on the team, assistant coach on the team, is uh, is with us. Dwayne graduated with Rob and I. Uh, coach, I appreciate you joining. You there? You're on. Um, it says you're not on mute. Oh, he dropped. Okay. <laughs> it seems like uh, it might have been by accident. All right. Um, so we'll keep it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it running. Uh, hey, Joe, thanks a lot for your question. All right. Let's keep it rolling here. We got Patrick coming up now. Patrick, what's up? Patrick, yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I disconnected for a second. Wasn't sure if I was good to talk. Um Honestly, my big thing with uh, for A Ray and Colin was just to thank them. Like, what other fan base has two of their like legends in a space with two hundred Villanovans? Like, he's hundred percent right, Colin, when he says we're spoiled. But um, yeah, the uh, who was it? Was that JF from NJ? I think he just said talked about you guys got to get back on your horse with uh, what are you drinking at the beginning of the pod? I'm telling you, it's just been bad luck. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Um... I was trying to not. I was trying to do like a half-hearted, dry January yeah. that ended during the Savior. Yeah, like I don't know. Get like, <laughs> yeah, non-alcoholic drinks. Then there, no, I know stuff like water. No, come on. I got to. You know, you can't. No, look, it, it's yeah, yeah. If, 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 here, but I mean, here, like, what, here's what I'll say. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I'm not just saying it because he's in the space. If you're looking for a drink made by a Villanova grad. There's only two ways to go. One is if you're looking for non-alcoholic, Sanzo sparkling water, which I highly recommend. You didn't pay me to say that. Um, and then, and then two, Montauk Montauk Brewery. Um, so Montauk Brewery beer is also a Villanova grad. So, um, so that, that's that's a good way to go. That's good luck. That'll bring you good juju. For, that'll bring you good juju. So Sanzo sparkling water. He'll probably yell at me. You get at Whole Foods. You get a bunch of different places. He's all over the place. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumping him right now. All right. Um, let's uh, – Patrick, what else you got, man? 
Anything else? Um, I was gonna, I was gonna actually talk about. We've been talking a lot about now and bad things, and like it makes sense. We got a vent, but did you see uh, Jordan Dumont was uh, nominated for McDonald's All American in the Southeast? So good things are coming. He looks, he looks good. I actually wanted to ask A Ray what he thought of him because I think he was able to uh, get to one of his games and see him play, but. I don't know. Have you been able to see anything about him, hear anything about him? I've seen some highlight reels, um, which obviously highlight reels are what they are when you're talking about recruits. It's, you know, they're, they're extremely biased and, you know, oh, you saw a player run, run down the court and shoot a three-pointer. Wow, that's yeah, great. But, like, at the same time, I, I'm interested to see what he did. I, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he did spend some time overseas. Sometimes those guys' recruiting rankings come in a little bit later. I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure that's the case, though. I think um, yeah, so so I'm so I'm interested to see what all shakes out um, with him. I mean, look, this team needs size, six eight. So I love seeing that, and he he seems to be able to score at three levels based on those recruiting um, videos, which I obviously have acknowledged are can be a little bit biased. But I, I like the fact that we're getting a guy with size. Um, this team next year is looting is going to lose Slater. Um, uh, Caleb Daniels is obviously a sizable guard. Uh, Cam Whitmore, you'd expect would go in the draft given his given his um, expected draft position, um, and I think that's a good thing, uh, you know. And so, um, and and you know, who knows what what decision Justin Moore will make at the end of the year? But the so the team's going to lose some size and athleticism, and obviously you have guys like Jordan Longino, you guys, you have Eric Dixon still coming back into the fold. You have Nana Njoku, you have Trey Patterson, you still have that, but this team has cleaned up in, in recent years with that, with that wing type position, um, both their ability to rebound, defend, be long and athletic. And that's been a difference maker. Um, and DeMont seems to have those qualities based on what I can see. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to him coming and joining Villanova. Yeah, I just want to. I'm going to follow up with that size question you just talked about six eight, and I uh, heard on your last pod how you talked about you got to see uh, Trey Patterson in person for the first time. What do you think of his minutes this uh, last game? I thought I thought he put in some good minutes against DePaul. Um, just wanted to see what you thought. I'll yeah, look, I, I, look, we always talk about next man up. Um, obviously, the, the result of the game wasn't what, what what we had hoped for, but the but the reality of the situation is sometimes you know getting guys minutes during injuries kind of help a team long term. So so whereas you know Trey was kind of back behind Jordan Longino in the depth chart, um, now he's kind of moved up a little bit, sees an increased role, has increased opportunities um, during games. I think that's I think that's great. Um, you know, I think he's given us some good minutes at times. I think there's definitely, you know, you see some of the, you see some of the qualities of a younger player in the program, even, even though he's been with the program for a couple of years at times, but I, look, it, it's not going to hurt him to continue getting opportunities. So, and it's not going to hurt us long-term to continue seeing younger guys get more opportunities. So I, um, I, I, I love seeing it and, you know, I, I would encourage him to be confident. You know, I, I don't know what the coaching staff is telling him directly, but if he gets open looks, I'd, you know, I'd like to see him shoot him. I go back to the Georgetown game. He had an open look from the three-point line. Guy closed out quickly. He got an up fake, um, drew a foul, hit both free throws. Like, that's exactly the type of offense that Villanova fans have been kind of become accustomed to watching. 
Um, and if he can continue to make smart plays like that, he's going to earn more minutes. Yeah, and uh, um, kind of parting note here, perfect. I agree with everything you said on Trey. And uh, just thank you guys for setting this up for the fans, giving us a platform to talk to those legends. And uh, also uh, just stay like 30 feet away from cheesesteaks in the future during games because I know that was a good review, but you should have just like stayed away. Bad juju. Yeah, that's that's fair, and and actually, it's a good transition to Tommy Patrick. I appreciate your uh, your, your your time here. Thanks a lot for 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 joining up with us. Of course, thank you. Um, so 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 Tommy Tommy's in the space. He's been patiently waiting the entire time. Tommy Godin from Road to the Garden and VU Hoops. Um, but uh, but Tommy, uh, he has a point. Like I would probably was too close of a vicinity of that cheesesteak the other night yeah I, I i take full credit for that one that's on me i shouldn't have shouldn't have made you eat the cheesesteak but well you didn't even technically eat it but that that's what the fans voted for on the twitter poll so i'm a man of the people and but this twitter space has been great i've been in here the whole time just kind of vibing there's so many legends in here and this has been awesome thanks thanks tommy Tell me your any any of your thoughts. I'm curious. You obviously report on the team. You've you've interviewed um, the coach. You've interviewed you've interviewed several players um, in your in your role. Kind of what's the what are some of the thoughts? Any new things that you thought came up today? Any other? I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, man. I just I love what Colin said about just staying the course and. I mean, this is the same fan base that wanted Jay fired, like, as recently as 2012. And stuff was never going to be rainbows and butterflies transitioning from a legend like Jay to Kyle Neptune. I think Kyle's done a good job. I think he's going to continue doing a good job. He just needs time. He just needs time to develop just like the players do in this new-to-them system. Um, they just got to stay the course. They're like, everyone's doing – the best that they can uh, there's no breaking news i know like that would be fun to break on the spaces but there's nothing new i mean the goal remains the same this attitude thing it's not just letters on a wristband for these players like they really they, it's the most important game is the next game for these guys and and they're just going to stay the course so we as a fan base should do the same i hear you all right, thanks, Tommy. Say you stay on with us, all right? Okay. Um, we're gonna bring up uh, we're gonna bring up Trevor. So I'm gonna get him up for a question. I also see some other content creators. I'm gonna start inviting them up um, as well. So I want to get some of these guys up. Uh, but Trevor, what's up, man? Did you call me a content creator? No, <laughs> I wish you were. I wish you were, but you're too busy. Yeah. You're too busy. Um... I just I I saw a good window to segue into something I was kind of thinking about. Um, but first of all, I just want to reiterate how absolutely preposterous, like just otherworldly spoiled we've been in the last ten years. Like it's it's honestly ridiculous the run that the the dynasty that was created and that we all got to enjoy. So it's just like this is not normal in college basketball. This is not what most teams expect year after year. Um, Kentucky's having problems. Duke had issues. UNC like stumbled its way into a national championship appearance last year in their changing of the guard. Um, it's not normal. 
um, when I'm saying the sustained success that we enjoyed for so long. And that's just kind of something that me and my friends always reiterate to each other in our uh, group chats and, and things like that. So uh, just reiterating the whole patience thing and, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and new system for Kyle to be kind of implementing or new personnel for him to try to implement into the similar um, system that he's kind of trying to carry over. And again, the attitude thing is so paramount for everybody. They say it every time to break the huddle and it's not just the way they break the huddle. It's, it's how everything's done. Um, I just think again, like, we got to kind of check ourselves. Some talked earlier about the toxicity on the social media. It's just like when that first person came up, I wanted to, you know, say some things. Um, but Colin kind of did a good job of checking him. Um, but it's, it's just a reminder to everybody to be patient and then kind of going off of that. Like we got a game tomorrow. Uh, Butler pretty much plays six and a half guys. Like, what are you? I don't know if there was a preview on the last uh pod about it, but I just kind of wanted to get everybody's thoughts on uh, what we can expect tomorrow besides like Hinkle. Well, well, I gotta, I gotta pause there for a second because you've teed up a person who's requested and has been requesting for some time. And this guy is a Butler fan. Oh. <laughs> He's been listening for a little bit of time. So, so I'm bringing up Yuli Dog. Um, Yuli Dog, you've been listening for some time. You're a Butler fan. Are you just trying to get like insider info here? Like, what 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 you doing? You there? Can you hear me? Oh, this is a bust. If he doesn't speak. Brutal, absolutely brutal. People are saying, "Yuli, I'm um, yeah, yeah, Yuli, I'm leaving you on if in case your your phone starts to work." But the um, look at Joey Orr just just thumbs downing like left and right. Um, but but he look Butler is Butler continues to do kind of what they do. Um, there's some talent on the roster. The the Manny Bates transfer in, in particular, down low. That guy has changed a lot um, for them. Um, he has really provided a very strong, sturdy inside presence. Um, he uh, he has been he's been really good for them. Um, so that's that's definitely something you got to look out for. Also, a story for them is new coach, but not a lot of turnover. Simas Lukosius came back. Um, he's he's still r- ripping threes from like thirty feet. Um, you know, they, they have, they have a lot of the same pieces on that roster. That's all, all a little bit older. Um, they've had some success in the preseason in the early go of it in the big East. They've had a couple road games that haven't gone so well. They had UConn come to visit them, um, which they've struggled with, they, who they struggled with, but it's, uh, you know, the Butler team's game. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, they're on the cusp of, this game is actually a cusp Q1, Q2 um, game for us since it's on the road. So, so I mean, look, uh, we're eight and nine. Things could get things could get worse. They could get better. Um, this is definitely an opportunity for 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 Villanova. Um, but Butler's Butler's not going to go down quietly, and especially not at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just seeing the numbers. That guy's blocked like 40 shots this year, and um... Yeah, they're coming off 
a couple tough ones, but I I watched them a little bit when they played Creighton, um, probably on New Year, around New Year's, and I remember thinking, okay, Creighton's a bunch of frauds, but because um, they played well, but then you know they end up pulling away at the at the end of the half. But I don't know. I I think uh, I think the toxicity kind of peaked with DePaul. And I hope that we can just kind of get back to our uh, normal ways of uh, just kind of taking care of business tomorrow. I I think it'll be tough without Jordan, but you never know. Yeah, yeah, I think we missed Jordan in the last game. Um, it, you know, I, I I think his defensive uh, prowess, his his ability to hit the mid range jumper, um, does create some opportunities. And and you know, the fact that he's also our sixth seventh guy is is like. It's it's pretty nice luxury just in terms of depth of the team, so uh, I definitely think we uh, we're, we're missing him. All right, I'm going to bring uh, Joseph is back up with another question. Joseph, what's up? You got another question? You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can. So my question, my second question now is: a lot of people that we've heard are saying that Nova should possibly play faster with much more of a pace than they have in years past under Jay Wright. Hello? But my question is, with the personnel that we have right now, Mark Armstrong, he's turning the ball. He's a freshman, so he's turning the ball over a lot. Cam Whitmore has had several games with four, five turnovers. He's turning it over a lot, despite the fact we're playing slow. Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater, they're turning it over four or five times a game in several instances. So my question is, if our elder statesmen are turning it over so much, and I mean, you can count some of those horrible shots as turnovers if you want, because Daniels had several of them at the last you know, couple of games. But if you want to just go off turnovers, you know, we have guys turning it over four or five, six times a game. So if we play faster, wouldn't it be logic? I mean, it's statistical logic that they would turn it over even more. We're average, you know, the past few years with Gillespie and Brunson and, whatnot you know we're turning it over seven eight times a game at most right now we have several games this year with you know 14 15 16 17 18 turnovers it is what it is you have freshmen playing but Whitmore and Armstrong are turning it over a lot so if you play faster I mean it just makes sense that they're going to turn it over even more so wouldn't playing how we are right now at a slower pace benefit them at least until they had more experience yeah, I think. Look, I, I think you raise a good point. The 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 playing slower and more deliberate. It does give you less possessions, which means less possessions to cough it up. It also means less opportunities to 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 get the ball through the basket. And if you're not as good a shooting team as you've been in the past, you're not as efficient offensively. Playing slow and and also and also not being the best offensive team can turn you into like what Virginia was a few years ago, right? Like that's, you can, you can turn into that. It can get really ugly from an offensive standpoint, but the, but on the other hand, on the other hand though, you're going to cough the ball up. You're going to make way more mistakes. You're going to take way worse shots. If you really gas it up, I think there's a middle ground here. Like we were playing like the 350th slowest tempo in the country. I think there's probably a middle ground of like, 250 <laughs> where you're playing a little bit quicker 
and you're maybe exposing some more transition opportunities when you get going, you get Slater and, and Whitmore and Mark going downhill where those shots aren't bad shots. Um, but, you know, it's, it, the, I, I do agree that like, you know, early in possession, clanked out three pointers that lead to runouts is, is essentially a turnover. I, I agree with that point wholeheartedly. Right. And I'll, I'll say, you know, wholeheartedly that, I don't necessarily buy into Ken Palm because I know there's a lot of cooked in stats early on where you might have one or two bad games and that, you know, screws your analytics for the rest of the year. Look at Providence last year. I mean, it is what it is. But the point is, you have guys that are like Daniels and Slater who have five years of experience. They're still turning it over four or five times a game. You know, there's something going wrong. And then you have a top five draft pick in Whitmore, turning it over four or five times a game. You know, there's something going on. And Armstrong, our point guard of the future, turning it over two, three, four times a game. You know, there's just something wrong in the system yeah, itself. I, I mean... Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think I think on that point, though, I think it's like, look, there's a, there's a defense on the other side, right? Like, you got, you got, you got young guys playing point guard, play, carrying the ball, etc. There's an element to that, right? Like... Right, like, and if you're trying to create offense, so why are right? Like, sometimes the creation comes with a little bit of mistakes. So I think there's a give and take. I'm not saying it's it's all good and dandy. I'm just saying that there's a give and take. So there. why is Dixon, Daniel, and Slater, elder statesmen, getting absolutely cooked by underclassmen who are freshmen and sophomore? And then you have Whitmore, who is a top five NBA draft pick. He is getting stolen and absolutely cooked on defensive end by guys that are not even that good. There's clearly issues there. I mean, there's there's something wrong. And if we played faster, we'd have even more turnovers. So when people say that we should play faster, I absolutely do not agree with that, and it would lead to even more turnovers. Because if we're turning the ball over at the rate we are right now, playing faster, as logic would state, and as every single statistic would state, if you actually calculate it mathematically, we would turn it over even more. So what we're doing right now is probably the best thing that we actually can do statistically. So if we play, yeah. so that, I mean, it is what it is. We're not a good team in terms of ball handling and ball control. So, I mean, where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, thanks. Thanks again, Joseph, for coming back on. I, I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your for point. I do have, um, we do have, Dwayne Anderson, I don't know if Dwayne, you're 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 able to you're able to chat. You had a little bit of problem before, but um, you there, Coach? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, Coach. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. Um, you know, you graduated with me and Rob, so it's crazy to see us all come full circle and still be talking Nova hoops. Nice. Um, but but hope you're well. I'm I'm great. I'm actually traveling. I tried to sign on, get on early. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened. I couldn't hear much, but uh, I heard A Ray talk a, a lot. I heard A Ray talk a little bit. I just wanted to um, thank all the fans, man. We have the best fans. They're so passionate, um, and I, I think I've heard him talk about what Colin said and, and what Jalen. Uh, it's it's tough to be patient um, these days. Uh, but these guys, the effort is there. They're putting in the work, and of course, we want you know we want to win every single game. Um, but these guys are working, um, and, and it's it's great to work with these guys. It's great as as coaches to work work with this staff, and we're you know as Villanova, like you said earlier, 
people wanted Jay Wright fired years ago, and he became Hall of Fame. So, um, you know, we're working, and, and uh, you know, hopefully we can turn it around tomorrow. If not, our next biggest game is, is tomorrow, and then not the next big game. And our goal is always try to be the best at the end of the year. Dwayne, I have a question for you. Back from back to your playing days. Yes. You guys lost five in a row in 07-08, um, capped off by a 22-point loss to Pilesh, to St. Joe's to yep. Palestra. Yep. And then the next game, we played Seton Hall, and I'm sure you remember it very clearly, but you hit a three-pointer with 12 seconds left in that game that kind of took us over the hump and started a run back to the NCAA tournament. Is it is is there an element on the coaching staff of like, man, we just got to get these guys a really good moment like that? Is it is there a feeling in that, in there? You know, to be honest, we don't. I know exactly. The, the, I remember that year losing those five games, and I remember the the pressure around you know the, the program that was used to, to winning. Um, we don't talk about we don't talk about a moment like that. We don't talk about. I know it's going to sound crazy, might upset some people about the NCAA tournament, but we just really try to be the best team. And, and by doing that, we just happen to go to Final Fours and win championships. But we, we just try to get the, the right kids and, and, and then compete and, and, and just play Villanova basketball. That's always our goal. So we don't talk about that. Making a moment, if we do, that would be amazing, obviously. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate you joining us on here um, and everything that you guys do. And uh, – and everything that you guys have worked towards to keep the continuity of this pro- program going. So uh, thank you for, for joining us. And uh, I know you're traveling and are busy. Um, any other thoughts or you just wanted to come on and, and, and say thanks? I just want to come on and say thank you. I was listening. I was traveling. and uh, I had, a, had some time before I jumped on this plane. Right, now. I'm actually about, about to board right now. Um, so just wanted to say thank you to Nova Nation and, uh, you know, the, the positive positive thoughts. I know there's negative thoughts as well, but we're going to continue to, to work um, hard for, for one another, the players, their families, and, and, and this coaching staff, um, and, and, for, and for all of Nova Nation as well. Hey, thanks a lot, Coach, and uh, go get them tomorrow. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, so, uh, not every day that you get that. Um, so, all right. We do have Yuli who's back on to talk Hi. a little to talk a little Butler. Yeah. So, so t- tell us a little bit about your team and and what we can expect for tomorrow. I think that Butler wants to come out hard tomorrow. The students will be back. They really don't want to lose. This is a make or break game for them. Their season's on the line here. The fans will let them know that tomorrow if they disappoint. I think. It's going to be a close game. It's Friday the 13th. Who knows what can happen? Who knows if Nova's going to get the bad luck or Butler's going to get the bad luck. But I see it being like a 70-67 game. I think it comes down to the final minute. I think the key for Butler is getting Manny Bates back to getting, you know, 15 points, 10 rebounds, and making sure that our guards are putting up consistent numbers. It was good to see Chuck Harris do better the other day, but... We need to get Eric Hunter involved more. And I'd also like to see more players involved in the rotation, not just a six, seven-man rotation, because I don't think it's working out well. And I just think that whoever is hitting their shots, not making turnovers, 
hitting the free throws wound up winning the game. Well, I couldn't say it better myself. That's that's all very fair points. Um, what do you what what do you what are you guys looking for as a fan base? Like, give me like the one thing that you say, like, hey, if this team, if, if Butler does this well, they, they, they tend to win. If Butler doesn't do this well, they tend to lose. What's the one thing in your mind? Shooting percentage. When we get above like a 40% shooting percentage, we win the game. When we're shooting like 30%, 20%, we don't. And I also want to see energy. I want to see them getting into the game mentally, not just being there. I want them to be there mentally and just after every basket, do something for the crowd or just show some type of passion because it's just been seeing that they're just out there just to be out there, not actually wanting to play. And it's really bothering me because I need to see passion. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Good luck tomorrow. Um, obviously, we, we, uh, we, hope, we, hope, we hope you don't have as good a night, but, but, uh, <laughs> but obviously it's all good fun in the Big East. So thanks, okay. thanks for coming on. Thank you. All right. We have Jeffrey um, waiting to speak, so we're going to bring Jeffrey up. Jeffrey, what's going on, man? You just come off a you come off a mute, and then you're good to go. Oh wow, um, I didn't realize that you accepted. Sorry, I was just gonna, um, I just wanted to ask, like, kind of. I just got in here, so I was sure we talked about four, but I was going to regurgitate what you just asked him, like. You asked him what he looks for in a Butler team every night, and I want to know, what do you guys look for in this Villanova team coming down the stretch here? What do you want to see every night from them? Yeah, so, look, I, I think there's a point here where, look, Dwayne said they don't talk about the NCAA tournament. Look, that's the, I get why they do that as a program. I think that's healthy for them as a program. I think as fans, obviously, we're talking about, hey, what does this look like? How do we get here? Whatever. Uh, since the since the loss on Tuesday, I'm kind of erasing that. I just want to see his team get better and get healthy and get better, like and and like try to enjoy the process of of this season. Um, we have three senior, uh, three seniors or two seniors, sorry, in um, in um, Caleb and and Brandon, who obviously want to go out on a high note. Um, and we have and we have Cam Whitmore, who probably, I'm in all likelihood, won't be here next year. Um, and then and then obviously Justin Moore has got decisions to make at the end of this season. I'm looking for the team to find ways to get a little bit more cohesive defensively. To me, finishing possessions with the rebounding is is like really something that's been a bugaboo um, on my end uh, while I watch the games. It's like how many possessions do you see? Hey, they finally strung a couple stops together, and then the ball kind of comes off the rim, hits one of our guys in the hands. It's a you know contested board, and ricochets out of bounds, and it goes back to their team. And then you know off an inbounds play, they they ma- they manufacture a good shot and, and and get some points. That to me is like the, one of the more frustrating things. Like I can live with missed shots. I can live with miss three pointers. I can lift, I can live with a bunch of different things like that. That, that really frustrates me because that to me is just like, Hey, get your hands on that rebound. Easier said than done, but just something that they can do to finish possessions. That'll probably peel 12 points off the board from, you know, the other team that would change a lot of the game's results this season. So that to me is, is big. I'll obviously let my co-host Rob, and uh, and and Tommy give their thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, anybody who listens to the podcast knows I'm not going to give you a technical answer on this. So I'm going to keep it a little bit more generic. And I think you've kind of alluded to it. Like, I'm starting to view this season, not starting to, I've been viewing this season a little bit differently now for, for a little bit of a little bit of time. And for me, I'm, I'm really just looking for growth. We've talked about this on other seasons as well, too. But I think it, it takes, obviously, a bit of a different meaning now that we have, obviously, a new coach. We have a ton of guys who are at their senior year who are not going to be with the program next year. We have a lot of young guys who are on the program. So I want to start to see how this team and particularly how some of the younger guys are developing so I can start to get a bead on what next year is going to look like from a team perspective, but then also like what this program is going to look like moving forward as well too. Like we've talked about other transition points at, at other points um, in other seasons, but obviously this one is a whole lot different. So just trying to understand what is going to be kind of the starting point for next year is the thing that, that I'm looking for and just seeing how, especially some of the young guys develop is, is the big thing. So yeah, I'm not going to look for, you know, a technical thing. I'm, you know, honestly, like making the the tournament at this point is going to be, you know, a, a tall task. So I think that's, I'm not holding my breath on it. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful for it, but I just want to see the guys improve and start to get some signals for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Rob hit the nail right on the head there. The only thing that we're looking for down this stretch is growth. I mean, you talk to anyone on the team and they're going to say that they want to be the best team that they can be by the end of the year. I think they're on their way to doing that. I mean, this was never going to be an easy year, and it's only gotten harder with all the wrenches thrown in the plans with Brizzy transferring a Longino injury. Um, I, you guys get the point. But, yeah, just growth and progress from one game to the next. I, I think we are seeing incredible progress, um, although it might not look like it right now um, in this little skid that we're in. But, yeah, they just <laughs> – beating the dead horse all night. They just got to stay the course and back to the Armstrong and Whitmore and the whole pace argument that we were having, not argument, but discussion that we were having before. Um, they're not going to play fast just to play fast. You know, they're going to take what the defense gives them. I think Armstrong's done a great job already. I'm like the unofficial leader of his fan club. I love Mark Armstrong. Um, he is the second lowest turnover rate in the entire rotation He's doing a great job, and he's only a freshman. I mean, relying as a freshman point guard at Villanova to lead the pack is like at any school, but especially at Villanova. So I think he's doing a great job. Um, they're only going to get better from here, and, and I'm excited for this little stretch that they're about to go on. Awesome. Jeffrey, any thoughts from you? I mean, you asked the question. I was curious if you had anything in mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I think growth is really big, and I, I think it comes down to heart. I think uh, you, you don't want to see guys even looking at giving up on games. I, I look the same way as your podcast name, the full forty. Like, it, it's just a motto that I think the team needs to live by. You know, you're down, you're beat down right now. You're eight and nine. You don't really know what you have going for you tournament wise, and it's not a kind of year that the program's had in a decent while now. At least not since any of them even started imagining playing for us. And um, I just hope that every game down the stretch you see, they come out and they start fast and they end fast and they play hard and they get out and they box out and they rebound and they just do all the little things because that's how you really get better as a team, I think. And I think it sets you up really well to get back into that contending space over the next couple of years. Yeah. No, appreciate those thoughts, Jeffrey. Thanks a lot for coming up. All right. We have, we have a, a fan favorite here. 
T-God. We got T-God coming up. T-God, I just want to know, if you hit the slopes tonight? Hey, Chris. How are you, man? Good. Yeah. Good. What's, what's going on? Yeah, I'm on? a bit fucked up right now. Um, <laughs> hope uh, everybody's doing well. Chris, thanks so much for having these spaces two days after the game. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I try and really just space it out. You know, it's I, I want people to really think about it for a while and then have to engage in Villanova basketball on an off night. Also, it was a late night that game ended. Some of us work early in the morning. Fuck off. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just really appreciate you making me wait this whole time. I'm a loyal full 40 fan, and you're letting in these guys that have never speak, spoken before in here. I just don't understand. Where's the love for T-God? I've been loyal my entire life to you. We, we wanted you to have you know your own platform. We had a bunch of guests in here, etc. We needed to make sure that we got T-God his I, own platform. I wanted to talk. to talk to Brunson, Chris. I, I can't get everybody to talk to Jalen. He was in for like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's on Chris for letting Jalen Brunson talk over you. <laughs> Trevor, enough of the wise. I'm done now. I'm done now. I just I, <laughs> I couldn't let that one go. Enough of the wise ass comments, all right? <laughs> anyway, um before I get to my question, I just wanted to point out that the uh this Joseph guy, don't really take anything he says seriously. He turns the game off when shit hits the fan. He's not a true loyal fan. And I just wouldn't take anything he says seriously, guys. Watch out. Watch out for Joseph. He's not a true loyal fan. Oh Jesus Christ! We're not we're not getting into intra fan wars. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. Anyways, Chris, my question was: Am I the only one that thinks Brandon Slater has been so underwhelming and just so ass for us as a fifth year senior? Jesus Christ! Can and you ask? Can you ask a question in like a normal fashion as like a human? Like, yeah, yeah I get where you're. I get where you're going with it. <laughs> Maybe, but maybe it's just because I, I had Samuels and Gillespie as my fifth-year seniors last guy last year. But it's fucking ridiculous. You're, you're 25 years old playing against 18-year-olds, and they're just getting bullied out there. I feel like Slater's getting worse and worse every year. I feel like his best year was his junior year. Look, look, man. Slater's been put in weird positions all season long. He's, he's, he's been asked to do a lot more than, than he has. I think a guy like a Justin Moore would, would change things for him. I, I, I really do. Like, like put him in position a little bit more. He's, got a, he's been asked to create offense, be the best defender, be the second best rebounder. I, I, feel, like it's, I feel like you're just asking a lot from Slater. I, I, that's, that's kind of like my overall take there. I, it's, it's, it's like I've seen flashes. He's had 17, 18, 19-point games. He's had, um, he's had games where he's pulled down, you know, tons of rebounds he's had steals he's had dunks he's had blocks like it's all been there he hasn't put it together as consistently as you like which you've pointed out but like I think I get the frustration but I I do think that there's an element there of just like if he had the opportunity to play in like a fully healthy roster which he hasn't yet like I think he'd be I think you'd see a little bit of a different element there no, I think I think you're just being an optimistic Nova fan. I think we need to face reality on Slater. <sighs> and, and you said before to me that his, his offensive game has just peaked, and I agree with that. But it's like the rebounding. I'm seeing him getting out-rebounded, boxed out. Like, it's just embarrassing. He's 24 years old. 
Oh my goodness, T God, come on, man. T God, has Sean Eason blocked you yet? No, she's being a hoe. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> all right, all right. As always, T God, I appreciate. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. Till next time. Yeah. See you love later. You, love you. All right. Bye. bye Me too. I love you too, man. Right. I'll talk to you later. All righty. Uh, T God always good for some entertainment. All right, let's get um, let's get man. We have a couple more requests. Uh, let's get Joe back on. Joe, Joe, you're back. What's up? Hey, full forty, Chris, ma'am. Yeah, you're I on. Appreciate. It. All right, so he kind of threw me off. I had a couple things and um, like scrap <laughs> some stuff. All right. So, <laughs> just, 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 just pick up where you were going right, to go. <laughs> all right. The, weirdly, the first way I was going to go was food. <laughs> so um, I know like um, Road to the Garden does like the the review. Um, we all know like everything in like the, the fin is like kind of hot garbage. Like you going there more recently, by the way, let me give you a little bit of a context. Like I went my wife was like pretty cool about it and um I have a friend that works on campus. I got nice seats versus Xavier and my birthday, December thirtieth, twenty nineteen, right before the pandemic, right? So um I've never seen the new pavilion before. I'd never seen the freaking like refectory or whatever. Had a pretty cool night. And then all of a sudden like two years you can't go there. And then it's like all of a sudden now it's back. And uh, that night, I'm like, you know, because I, I, I know someone that actually works at the school. Like, I'm hanging out, I'm hanging out, hanging out. And John Fanta is just, like, freaking scribbling over something. So I go over, I'm talking, I get a cool, like, picture with him. And I, I just remember, like, what it's like to, like, be in, like, that lower bowl and, like, have nice, cool tickets and, like, do the thing. So my first question was, like, what was it like more recently – call it coast COVID. Is it all back to normal? Cause I know you were going there with, um, with, uh, um, uh, Brian Martin and stuff. I want, I want to like talk more about like that experience. And then, um, the other thing, the other thing, I, I don't know if anyone's going to say it, but I want to ask the question. It's like, I do think that there's like a the little, there was like a little bit of like gap with the, with the recruitment and Brizzy, I've because because uh, everyone's like, oh, we have like a point guard point guard problem. We didn't go to the portal. Da, da, da. Well, you wouldn't have had to go to the portal if you thought the guy that you had like that you'd redshirted for a year that was like going to be awesome was going to be Brizzy and he was going to be your point guard. Like we didn't like, and, and he ended up not being the guy. And now he's transferring, and like I think. I know I knew I knew that like Colin or you know Avery were not gonna talk to specific players, but like I thought it was kind of like kind of weird. Like I felt like we, you know, we have this guy that he was supposed to be a, a dude, and he, he transferred, and I was like, but, but weirdly he filled the spot, and I just don't know if you guys have any more information. Like what the hell happened there? And then what's, like, the plan going forward there? Because I feel like there's, like, a real gap. You know, they talked about, oh, there's, like, the senior guys and the junior guys. Well, you know, there's supposed to be some guys in between. The guy was supposed to be Brizzy, and Brizzy's not the guy. So, like, what are we doing? 
don't know. I, that that was my that was my other question. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll get ahead, I'll, Rob. Yeah. So I don't certainly won't demean anybody, but I think there's at least my perception of things was never that Brizzy was supposed to be the guy going forward. And again, like this doesn't all come down to rankings as we talked about earlier, but it's not like, you know, we had pegged, we had Brizzy pegged as a five-star recruit who was getting handed the, the keys to the kingdom, if you will. Um, so yes, you know, there's obviously always some disappointment when somebody transfers and, there's always a question mark of, hey, did something not work out? And yeah, obviously something didn't work out where he wasn't happy. Certainly he didn't do enough to earn the minutes. And I always come back to this point because we, we've had this debate a lot on the podcast and kind of in the background of like the folks who you point to who became like the key players kind of regardless of where they where they were ranked initially whether they were a three-star or like colin whether they were a four-star or a five-star the guys who really ended up making an impact tended to be guys who cracked the rotation their freshman year right off right off the bat and those who didn't you know tend not to there are obviously exceptions to that but to me it's it was a bit of an indication to say hey look Redshirt and Brizzy, obviously, we had a great we had a great team last year, so there certainly weren't the minutes to go around. Um, but then, you know, we're halfway through his sophomore year as well, too, and he still hasn't really been able to crack the rotation. So I think there's there's more there than, than kind of meets the eye where I'm saying, oh, I'm really concerned that he was going to be the, the piece and kind of the answer going forward. Like, we've talked a lot about this before, like, Marcus, hey, well, Rob. Mark has shown a ton, a ton of potential. So assuming that he's going to be, Brizzy's going to take that spot or whatever, I think is is a little bit silly. Hey, Rob, so to that point, because I agree with you, then do we run into a situation where, and, and this is where I fall on on it, is um, was, was, was Neptune in a position where, hey, you know, you just got to keep the, you know, roster together, but like you already knew, like that guy wasn't the dude, and he wasn't allowed to go out and get anyone. Like I guess, like I, to your point, like like he did everything you do, he did everything right, you know. But like you have a gap there. You just, you just, you really have a gap there, and we're seeing it because that's why, like our Chris Arch is like playing like twenty North minutes, like that. You you guys know that shouldn't be happening. So like, I just want I want to know what you guys are thinking about it. Like, and I can see it. Like, I see like Neptune getting his like hands tied, and maybe that's all it is, you know? Because they're like, hey, you know, we have all these kids. Like, and maybe he's got promises to the families of the kids that are already on campus. Like, I, just, I, just, we have no idea. But it's like, they, there's there's something there, dude. Like, there is like a gap. Yeah, so yeah. so so I have no inside knowledge on this, but I, I look at the end of last year just to go through kind of like kind of like what happened at the end of last season, right? Moore goes down, tears his Achilles. Collins Colin graduates. We don't know at that moment if Moore is going to even come back um, or when what his prognosis is going to be, right? Like Achilles injury could take eighteen months. Right, like so, we could have been totally no, right. out of. So, like, to your yeah, point, so, so hold on, let me just. Right. 
Yeah, right. But like, but then Antoine is still with the program at that point in time. Um, you have Caleb, who made the decision to come back um, and exercise his COVID fifth year. Um, you have you have a commit in Mark Armstrong. You have Brizzy as a red shirt. Um, you have Arch um, kind of in the reserve in the reserve role. So the depth chart, even without more, still looks pretty like long. So so the option there is to go to the portal, right? And I could argue that yeah, maybe a veteran guard, um, you know, from like a top mid major school that's looking to go out there like a Courtney Ramey, I think was out there if I'm not mistaken or yep. something along those lines would have been a, would have been a smart decision, but they were also trying to keep, if you remember the news was Kyle Neptune's head coach. Now like Jay and Kyle and like the assistant coaches are meeting with all the players, all the families of the players, not to mention Hawes and two in that, in that. And they're trying to keep everything. They're kind of cheap, trying to keep everything together. I don't know in that moment, if there were promises made about not going to the portal yeah, I mean, or, or whatever. I, what I'm thinking. Like, I yeah, wonder we, if that moment. We, you just don't know. And I don't know if anyone was ever going to give you a straight answer on that. My guess is that they probably said, we're not going to go to the portal. We want your son to come here. He's going to get playing time. Like, like, and, 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 and that's that. At that position. Now, do I think that they maybe should have found someone in the portal elsewhere? on the team, maybe on the big side, you know, uh, you know, on the big man side, like whatever to help with rebounding defense. Yeah. Maybe you could argue that too, but like, I, I do think that there is an element of the, the not hitting the portal at the end of last season, I think is, is hurts. Um, and I think this team could have benefited from the portal. I do think that Neptune has no choice, but to go to the portal at the end of this season. Um, well, he he will he'll live there. I mean, I, I guess I get where I get a little frustrated is um I kind of feel like there was um there was a point not even before all that everything you just said where someone needed to know like either I, I, and I know that um like um Colin and Ray A Ray would have read me on this one, but like. If you if you knew that like Brizzy wasn't the dude, like you need to get someone. But but uh, I guess like like look, I, I've made that comment. I made that comment around talent evaluation or whatever. I think that that's a, I think it's a fair point. But at that point, they had redshirted the kid. They 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 thought, hey, he put on some weight. Like he actually got in the weight room. He like. Oh, I remember I Brizzy. Him to be the Do guy. you remember I'm Brizzy probably, a year ago like, when he came in? He was a skinny kid. Like he actually looked the part, like got in the weight room with Shaq, clearly groomed, like like got stronger, whatever. I think there was a big hope, and there was a lot of talk about him over the summer. I think there was a genuine hope that that he was going to have a successful campaign. That doesn't mean that he was going to be the the next, you know, great great guard. Like, uh, no, no, but like, I like, agree like, with you. like I, yeah. I understand why you wouldn't go because if you have him in the hopper, like, why do you go? And then I just don't know what happened between then and now. I just like it's, I just don't. And maybe we will never know. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the maybe it's something along the lines of like, hey, he saw that he was getting beat out for the minutes, and you know that's no, you know, it is what it is. Like, like a lot of people say, oh my god, he didn't get the minutes. Like, and we ran him out of town. How could we? And I think that there's some elements of truth to that. 
No, but we, there's we all know but, like the way this work this this culture works and the Colin and A Ray like then you know kind of keen into it. Like you you earn it. Like you you beat the ass of the guy in front of you, that's how you get the meds, right? So yeah. like it's like this real it's not like no one likes you. It's not like no one doesn't like you. Like we recruit you, we love you. Like you either beat the guy in front of you or you don't, right? I mean like it's just kind of I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of stinks like but anyway that it gives me a lot of like uh, Ajda and it shouldn't <laughs> I I love it. I love it. Um uh but the but truth truth be told, I think there's something I think that there's an element there where you have a guy where I think he might have looked up and saw the clippings of hey Moore's injury, he's starting to practice and whatever and thinking to himself, oh, my God, I'm falling to fourth now on the depth chart. Like, I'm never going to get on the court. And, I, I, again, no inside knowledge, just my speculation. And, and so take it for what it's worth. But might have just said, I, I'm not going to get on the court this season. I might not get on the court next season, like, because all these guys are coming back next year, oh, except yeah, maybe more. Point, you're absolutely right. Like, at that point, he's doing the right decision. He got to do it, man. Yeah, he's just he's saying. Like, like let's, let's not – like get this twisted like he's gonna play in like a high level team probably do some stuff it's just like you're right there is like a bottleneck on our team but like, he'll do stuff like it's not like he's like yeah it's weird because it's one of those situations where the bottleneck isn't like it's not like you're playing behind Brunson and Gillespie right like to to, to the point raised earlier like you're playing behind Mark and Arch and for a half a year Justin Moore maybe but like which is which is obviously you know, in, in ways stiff competition. But you're playing with guys who, at at some point in time, might be you know different skill sets, but roughly equal skill sets, but just getting beat out. And so it's it's a really odd situation. He's going to be good at another school. I, I and I hope he does well. No. All, right. All right, guys. I know you guys got other people to talk to you. Thanks very much. Bye. Love thanks, you. Guys. Thanks, Joe. All right. So I'm going to remove Joe. I brought uh, Ryan back up, and I'm going to bring Patrick back up for just a second because there was a question that Joe brought up around game day experience and what have you. Um, I got to be honest, and Rob, you could chime in if you're still if you're still if you're still here. Uh, having been to a game day at the new renovated pavilion, it is like way better than the old one. Like it's they they do a nice job. I did used to love the big wall of the student section on the south side of the pavilion, but that taking that out of the equation, it was the, the game day experience for the average regular fan kind of going to the games is, is, is unbelievably better um, between the food options, the alcohol options, and what have you. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've talked about this. I can't second that enough. I mean, the old pavilion was – just like an absolute joke compared to what it is now. I mean, it's, we can all knock the footprint. They should have made it bigger, yada, yada, yada. But putting that aside, the overall experience is just so, so much more enjoyable. You feel like you're actually entering an arena that belongs in 2020 instead of an arena that belongs in the 1980s. And honestly, like the 1970s before that too. So look, I can definitely knock. We've, we've made this point. And our, uh, our guest earlier made the same point, too. The class system they have between the first tier and the second tier drives me absolutely crazy. 
But the food's good. You know, it's good arena food, and the sight lines, no matter where you are in the arena, are pretty awesome. Nicole and I were were at a game. We were at uh, the St. John's game a few weeks ago, and we had some upper deck seats. And it's like, I don't know, you still felt like you were on the court, which is pretty awesome. Um, And so, look, you can knock the size of it and say, yeah, yeah, I want it to be bigger. But, you know, there's something there's something awesome about that. Like when you contrast it to go to, you know, we'll go to MSG in a couple of weeks as well, too. And I'm sure we'll have some seats up in the rafters and you feel like you're a million miles away. So just having that that feeling to be back on campus and feel like you're like on the court is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. And from uh, Ryan and Patrick, I don't think you guys got to go to games at the old pavilion, but I, from a- I did. I, I got, I went to plenty of them uh, because my mom actually teaches history at Nova and I got to go to plenty back in the day. So, so give a little compare cause you're in the student section now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> w- w- what are your thoughts? Okay. I think everything like about the new pavilion as a whole, like the like the colors and the way it looks is great. The like class system, I hate it with a burning effing passion. I've like I, I literally hate how like you can't go down uh to the I forget the like Fitzgerald Club uh and see the championship court unless it's like a women's game and they just don't give two shits. Uh student section I, I like the idea of having like students on both ends, but I wish they kind of did it in the way that, um, like say like Duke, Penn, like like any of these bigger schools, they have them like on the baseline, kind of like like really just like with the best seats in the house. I mean, like I get it, you got people paying thousands of dollars for season tickets and just like all that jazz, but like I mean they're. There was nothing else like that big wall of students and the players just coming straight down uh, the student section to start the game. Like that, like that was literally like Clemson running down the hill, but like take that for college basketball. Like every time I got to witness that, I had chills up and down my spine. And as soon as they took it out for the new renovations, I I cannot tell you how sad I was when I found out that they just run along the front and just like, they don't even high five anymore. It's just sad. I just get left hanging like Josh Hart and uh, have to high five myself. But um, yeah, I think as a whole, um, the game day experience is solid. Obviously, we've lost two straight now at the Finn, which is the first time since Michigan and Furman. But um, uh, I know I'm trying to do my part as a game day leader. Uh, we're having a meeting uh, in the next couple days um, about like what we do to improve because I went to the Palestra. Saw a Penn State student section, took some notes, been like, all right, what works, what doesn't. But uh, it's getting there. The students just got to get better. I know you got the tactics because you guys killed it back in the day. But, um, yeah, it overall, it'll take time for the thing to kind of just, like, kind of really, really have that home court advantage, I'd say. Like, it's strong now, but it will be stronger in the future. That's what I'd say. Uh, one thing I have to say about the uh... – the, the running down the thing, I, it was always very cool. It was one of the cool, unique little aspects about, about what we did. But, my God, I can't believe someone, no one got injured doing that. Like, oh, my God, same. I was always worried. I'm like, oh, man, please do not fall. Like, I, I remember watching Inside Villanova Basketball one time, and Phil Booth was just talking about that run down the stairs. He's like, I'm just trying to make it down in one piece, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. And, oh, man, but uh, – 
good for player safety, bad for overall fan experience. So, uh, Mark Jackson, take note. Awesome. Um, hey, uh, Patrick, any anything else to add? I, I see you're back. Um, the, the, the one thing, so I was never in the old Finn, but I've been in um, just like a couple similar size schools, arenas. Obviously, I've been over to Hagen at St. Joe's. I've been up to Holy Cross. I've been down to Lehigh. Um, and I'm lucky enough to go to that like D2 school. I don't know if you've heard of it, Boston College. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so like a lot of their arenas are like, well, Holy Cross has renovated there since, but um, it, it, the one thing about the Palesha, oh my God, I don't call the Palesha, what? Uh, the one thing about the fan is it's very personal. Like it feels like, like kind of like you said, you could be sitting anywhere and you get a good view. And like, the weird cross shape of it, it like feels weird looking at it, but then like you get in there and it feels small. It almost feels like a high school gym in terms of like, like, like a, the equivalent of like a Texas football, high school football stadium, like as a basketball stadium in like a good way, like all the good things, because it's like everyone can see it feels tight and it like, you might not have that many people in there, but it can get loud. Like if the students get loud in, in the fin, it gets loud. So I think I think it it's it does its purpose, especially since like the the rumblings were like something about like the township didn't want them to build this big stadium or something, right? I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but it's just like hearsay that I've heard. So I like it. All right. Um, looking around a little bit here, we still got, uh, all right. Uh, D Lori 87 coming back. The, the signed hat. We're back here. What's up? Yo, yo, yo. You know, I saw Colin come back in here. Y'all were just talking about different stadiums and you know, in by accident, you mentioned the palestra and I don't know if we're trying to avoid the subject of the palestra, but I mean, talk about an uncomfortable stadium with the most amount of history. 8,500 8, people. But I was just there on a Sunday for Penn State versus uh, Purdue. Yeah, It was 20 degrees outside and about 100 degrees, maybe even Celsius, <laughs> in that place. <laughs> I sweat through everything, man. I sweat Yo, through everything. You, you want you – want, there, there was a cookie stand. Ain't no one buying cookies in January at the Palestra. They were buying water and Powerade because also no one knew where to get the, I mean, T-God would know where to get the beer in that place. I know he would. T-God would show up at the palestra probably with a 12-pack of Miller under his shirt. I finally did find the beer, and they were closed. It's in, like, some swaggy-ass alumni hall, like, I don't even yeah, it's in like this like weird like cookie cutter like entrance sort of yeah. thing. It's it's weird, but that's what makes it so cool but and special. It kind of go- I mean, I'm trying to remember. You got to help me out on this one, like because we all know with Jay Wright and the Big Five and the Palestra, like kind of got away from that game. And I I, I just I saw Colin here before because I think like my last game with the Palestra with Nova, if I'm not mistaken, was against Penn, obviously, uh, where we were like number. We must have been like top ten team. He must have dropped like twenties. I mean, we murdered them. Now, granted, I know. I also remember one game against Penn when I was in Ireland. Stayed up till four in the damn morning watching a stream on like the shittiest Wi-Fi ever, and we lost. Like two games that stick in my mind: Columbia and Penn. One at the 
one before it was the old the old, before the Finn was around, and then that and then that game against Penn where we lost. But going back to the you know, at what point does anyone remember when we kind of got away from that whole like wanting to play at the Palestra and kind of getting you know obviously going to be part of the Big Five forever, but getting away because I I grew up going to like triple headers there and. Somehow I'll parlay this into the theme of the new Finn, but maybe you can help me out here when like those years and maybe it gets back into our history of Villanova and kind of how we grew as a kind of as a fan base together. Yeah. So this, I don't remember exactly, you know, you know who would be able to tell me any temple St. Joe's or LaSalle fan would be able to tell me exactly which coach ruined the big five because you know, they, they all have their answers to that question. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was actually towards the end of Raleigh's or or Lapis's term, and I, it would you it was like a very watered down thing for a bit. And Jay was kind of like the part of the architecture of kind of at least bringing back playing the full uh, the full slate of Big Five games yeah. every year, um, which I think is a, a good and healthy thing to do. Um, no, you know, I do. like I know it's I know it's uncomfortable. Like as we saw at the game, like Penn State uh, Purdue game, and I know that, I mean, I sat in the aisle. Like there wasn't yeah. room. Like I, and if for those that ever that have never been to the Palestra, don't ever buy row ten, seats nineteen and twenty on any on any section because you will just become a human usher, and it's the worst. <laughs> Keep right, so in. we got <laughs> Sean P raised yeah. his hand quickly. Oh, gotcha. So maybe yep, gotcha. maybe no, maybe Sean P has an answer. I don't <laughs> know if he was coming in to oh, answer. Yeah. Sean, come off of mute. You're on. Sean, you're on mute still. If if you uh, if you come in top the bottom left, yeah, yeah, looks like he's having some technical difficulties. But but yeah, so look, I, I think something needs to happen with the Big Five. I I think that there is actually maybe a little bit. I think enough time has passed since kind of like the old Big Five and the old heads who are who are like super. Um, passionate about it one way or the other. I, I think that there is a little bit of, of, of openness to maybe finding a way to revamp it a little bit. Villanova, I'm sure, given that we have this Finn on our campus, we have the relationship with Wells Fargo, probably sure. does not want to give up the revenue to, like, to like have a split house and to manage that with their... With their, with their yeah. The, 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 I was going to say, the only... The only time that I can get tickets for the Finn, and I think someone might have mentioned this earlier, like when they were talking about Xavier on their birthday, because that's exactly reminds me of myself. The only time I can get a ticket at the Finn is when the students are on break and we call the away team and, you know, people, then they have extra tickets or they might have some extra student tickets. So I go to all the Wells Fargo games and that's a treat for me, right? Because... You know, granted, minus like being a ranked team, like I said, like earlier, my like against Virginia or like back in the days when like UConn would come in here and, you know, Mr. Hotballs and his damn, you know, goons will, will come down and take over the, the top seven corners. Like we could, that's a very affordable, like all fans could, for the most part, for 20 or 30 bucks, go to the Wells Fargo. They've redone a lot of it. It's pretty much a damn good seat anywhere, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You're in the house to watch some great college basketball. But no, I told you that's a good point about the revenue side, especially because you know, new stadium, want to make money, all that. Yeah, I think, but I think there's a world in which we can figure out some way to some way to do well, it better. I, there, I definitely think there was a there was a tournament at the Palestra 
I don't know if the, I don't know what it was called. It was called the the um, the Cathedral Classic, and it was oh, like Chris, get, tell yeah. them all about it. I, I'm I'm oh. going on mute. I want to hear about it. Was this the thing that I went to yep. back? back yep. <laughs> Delaware. I, I know that Delaware was in it. If that spurs something. Oh man, yeah, there was a tournament. <sighs> Look, this is a turkey tournament that we played in like the 0809 season. I told this story on on here already, but. I went to this, and I must have been one. It was at the Palestra. We played like Towson. Delaware might have been on it. Like, it was horrible. It was a terrible, awful mm-hmm. tournament. And there might have been like 12 people total in the Palestra to watch these games. <laughs> and I was one of the fucking sick sickos who were there. Um, and and I went there, and we were playing Towson or something like that. Shane Clark was on the team at the time. Dwayne Anderson was on the team. Dante Cunningham, Scotty Reynolds, Fisher, Stokes, all those guys were on the team. Anyway, at that point in time in the season, they were trying to get Shane Clark to be more confident shooting the ball when he was open. But he, he was always – he was like seeing ghosts. So he would inevitably upfake, even though he was upfaking nobody. Like he was, he was upfaking – there was not a defender within 10 feet of him, and he was upfaking. And so he upfakes one time, starts to drive, gets called for a travel because he shuffled his feet when he starts that drive. And Pat Chambers, one of the assistant coaches at the time, is now the uh, coach at, F, uh, at Florida Gulf Coast, yells at him at the top of his lungs, Shane, shoot the fucking ball! And literally like all 12 people here, including myself, could, uh, could hear it. And it was – we, we were – busting out laughing because it was like a laugher of a game but they're like coaching these guys up so hard in that moment just hilarious stuff yeah i mean even even when we when jay was there even when we'd be up by like 30 he'd still be yelling at people like maybe okay maybe more like 20 and that that always found that pretty funny just like but that you you earn that right right like we're not putting in the last three on the bench, unless we were up thirty, and Jay, I mean, he would it'd be even in the even the twenty sixteen shot by Jenkins. I mean, his face was like we just not it was like he just saw a murder. It was hilarious. I always yeah. love that. Adam. Yeah, just intensity until the last minute. It, it, attitude, yeah, intensity yeah. and attitude. And now he's, you know, yeah. now he's taking pictures with a freaking beaver oh, and Bucky's. Oh. Yeah, what did Hot Balls? I think Hop, one, one of the one of those cronies posted that. I mean, yeah. Well, according to Patino, he's going to go coach somewhere. But anything Patino says, I take with what's less than a grain of salt. I don't know. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. I right, appreciate it. Um, hey, so look, I, we we uh, oh we got uh, um, anyone who wants to who wants to chat, anyone who has any thoughts, questions, whatever, uh, please feel free to request up. Um, I'm still I'm still I'm still going. I still got some energy. I still got some bourbon in me, so I'm still uh, I'm still going here. Patrick's raising his hand. All right, Patrick, come off mute. What's up? Uh, hey, what's up? Um, so as Cam Whitmore campus coroner, which is a crazy great name um as he was saying uh kind of talking about the big five i've got a brother that went to saint joe's so they're always talking about the big five and um i i i know that like turkey tournament that's like that sounds like a horrendous bunch of matchups like i I don't know who's going to watch delaware versus townsend versus in philly besides delaware and townsend fans so but 
I don't know. I would love to see like a tournament for the big five. Maybe throw Drexel in there, so it's a three and three. But I, I, I'd love to see games like that. And then, like in terms of like trying to figure out the revenue, you play as long as Villanova keeps winning it. I mean, winners should get to pick where they play. So then, get to play at the Fin. They come play us, and then, or I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it's like or even just host it at the Wells Fargo because then. I feel like everyone's happy in that case, but I don't know. I'd love to see some sort of a requiem for the big five, just because it seems like the history there is really cool and had some of the best college basketball for some years. Yeah. I think one thing that you could do. Oh, sorry. I just want to give a shout out to my co-host here before I go on with the, uh, with, with, with this uh, Rob's going to, Rob's going to drop Rob. Any parting thoughts? No, um, just a quick thanks to everybody for joining. It was obviously an awesome session. Had a ton of great guests, but um, but yeah, thank you guys uh, a ton. Obviously, this is uh, this session is nothing without you guys. So talk soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. See you later. All right, we're I'm still going here because I'm nuts. Um, so so I'm gonna keep it rolling. Um, sorry. I think there could be something where you basically say, okay, either you involve Drexel. That's obviously a good option. You involve Drexel or you do something where the winner of the Big Five, the Big Five champion every year, gets a bye to kind of like the second round, if you will. You play the first round games at the Palestra in a doubleheader, right? Then the second round, or I guess it would, would it just go, oh yeah, I guess, no. It would go to, yeah, you play a second round game at a... Uh, at uh at the Wells Fargo and then and then a final game at the Wells Fargo something like that I I, I might have gotten fucking lost in in I, the I, uh, I think I think in like, all this. along what you're saying that kind of like whoever won whoever has the best record against a certain team like you get that home court you get to say like it's us like we get to play at the Finn first round and then you move it to the Wells Fargo I kind of like that. Or, or I was actually saying the Palestra like oh, if you want to yeah, keep the yeah, Palestra sure. element. And you do some type of revenue share, but Villanova is the one who has the who has the um, tenant relationship with the Wells Fargo, and then that would give Villanova the ability to get whole if you know they get like one game's rev- full revenue for that. I, I don't know how to work it. Like someone smarter than me can do it, but like like I, I feel like there's a way they can they can revitalize it by. I agree. I think some type of tournament would be the best way to do it because it kind of also condenses it, like. Make make the big five a thing, like right smack in the middle of the holiday season, might be a good option. Yeah, and and, and like one thing I, I've heard, like I've I've had just conversations, like anecdotally with the students, uh, just like peers of mine, and they're like, oh, who gives a crap about the big five? And the the pushback I always have to that, in case anyone here does hold that opinion, it's like, even if you don't care about the history of the big five, which is like whatever, I don't, I'm not gonna go preach to you. You should believe in something that. But anyways, the 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 games we play against them, it, they're good ranked games. There's there's usually Temple, Penn, St. Joe's, LaSalle. They're all always going to be a team that is trying to put out a competitive, trying mind you, trying to put out a competitive product on the basketball court. And like you go look at some of the other Big East teams, and like I'm picking a bad one, but like for example, St. John's, who's always notably kind of knocked for their schedule. They're going and playing Merrimack and Lafayette and Central Connecticut for this year for their first three games. It's like the good thing about playing those big five teams is it's not going to be cupcake games. Like 
uh, St. Joe's helped us almost neck and neck half the game. Like th- these teams, they, they don't like each other. They're not, not actually, but just like there's, there is a rivalry having these teams within the area. So I think it's an important, I think Jay Wright even talked about this, like keeping that aspect of it, the competitive aspect of it and not having to travel during the like all of those things combined not having to travel i know you don't hold this opinion chris but just like that's my reasoning behind why we we should keep playing these big five games like i think they're they're good for our schedule and just good for not having to travel because like travel's a bitch yeah i think you get two look you get two home games i mean sorry, you get two away games that count for like against mid-majors and like there's not many programs that go on the road to play mid-major programs right like so you get some you get some credit there, um, and goodwill, and you don't even have to get on a plane to do it. So like I, I definitely agree that there's there's a lot of value in the Big Five, and and if it's taking the place of other tougher games in the last few years, we've seen that right. Like you still have the UCLA's, uh, the Purdue's, the um, you know the big the big games, so to speak, the Michigan States, if you will, on the schedule. So. I think that that's. I think that as long as that remains the case to a certain degree, that it's that it's that it's uh, worthy. All right, we got a, a guest speaker who's asked to speak. Lamelo Ball, what's up? You're on. You come off a of mute. Lamelo. Yeah. So I was just wanted to talk about the, maybe the locker room dynamics this year. Who do you think has the biggest wrench on the team? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my. <laughs> I don't even know if I can speculate. I don't even know if I'm willing to speculate on that. Do you think uh, that's causing any problems in the locker room? Hey, you never know. You, like, look, man, that that's one of those things where, like, you know, people, guys get competitive and, you know, Who's going to be able to match up? I don't know. You never know there. You never know. I, yeah, I mean, I feel like it could be a contributing factor to the problems we've had. <laughs> you never know, man. Yeah, you never, I appreciate that. It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely worth further consideration. I wish you were on earlier and could have asked uh, Colin or uh, A-Ray if they had any thoughts there. Colin could have had some good insight on that one. That, yo, you know it's definitely housing. Like by far, <laughs> you know it's housing. Who you said, Cam? It's housing by a million. You know it's housing. Oh my goodness! All right, thanks, Lamelo. Appreciate that contribution. Do you have anything else? Uh, I mean, that was mostly it. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Um, thanks. Have a good one, man. Man, I don't know how I follow like such an intellectual question up, but. What does the space become? <laughs> yeah, we really. That's what all space. It always become. does. When yeah. Hit... Have you ever Have you ever attended Hot Ball Space? Like the first. Oh hour. my god! The first oh. hour is intellectual X's and O's talking about the game, and then somehow it becomes like where the drunkest Mills in Hartford, and what bar are we going to at three p.m. Like, yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, man. and then it turns into, and then there's like an hour long divergence but... of like if the beach is a good thing to be at. Like it's just like, yeah, there's... it, it gets got... X's. They got when, beaches in Connecticut. Yeah, bud. yeah. No, it's not. It's a fake beach. It's a fake beach. Oh, they, they, it's just. It's. 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 It's oh, on the kidding. long. Uh, it's on the Long Island Sound. That's uh, not a real beach. Like you can't have a beach on a, a body of water that's not an ocean. 
That's like everyone. Chris, knows did that. you see the time that just... they like kicked Hurley Mania off of the space because of how he likes his steaks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, look, I want to like that's, but that's what happens, right? Like after eleven thirty, if you've been on a space for two and a half hours, shit just gets fucking weird. Yeah, so they were, they were on a space till two a.m. like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, it was crazy. Yeah, like couldn't believe it. The Yukon, the Yukon uh, space. All right, let's mix it up here. We got Fryer Express. What's going on, Fryer Express? Hey, listen, you guys. Oh, are- sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Listen, I just have one quick thing. I just kind of hopped in late here, but I saw you had some big names in here, and I respect that. And you know, just to kind of uh, provide some insight as a Fryer fan, you know, I'm not control or anything here, but I want to say that. You know, Nova has won, what, six out of the last eight Big East regular season titles, I think it is. Or, or, or sorry, not regular season, uh, championships. And I think that, you know, when you take a step back, it's easy to look at this season and kind of, you know, be a little bit down in the dumps. First year head coach, it's just, it's hard. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of new guys. But, like, you take that, that another step back and you look at Villanova in the last decade, I think you guys maybe just need to take like one little chill pill and kind of just be like, Hey, I think we'll be all right. You know, the last decade was pretty legit, had a couple of natty titles. Let's all just kind of relax and, you know, let Kyle Neptune kind of figure it out in a year or two, and then we'll reevaluate. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. I, I, and I appreciate kind of grounding it a little bit. I, I think that's definitely like really fair. The reality of the reality of the situation is we've definitely been spoiled by the success. I think some of that is that your success creates different expectations, right? Like the thing, the refrain that I hear is, well, we're a different program than we were when Jay Wright took over. I think that's a fair point, right? Like, like, so the expectation level is, is gone up a bit. I think that that's fair. I, I, I do think though that you do have to allow a little bit of room for the fact that it is a new coach. It's a, a coach with not a ton of experience, but uh, as a head coach, but a lot of experience as an assistant who knows the school and program well. So I think that there's definitely space, space for that. And you kind of savor, it helps you savor some of what we went through over the last 10 years, for sure. Um, Absolutely. And, yes. and, I, and having high expectations is great because you have to hold the school and the coaching staff accountable and because if, if, if there's no sort of, uh, you know, from a fan base, if there's no sort of kind of accountability, you're going to end up at like the next BC where just nobody cares about sports yeah. and all, everything sucks now. And it's just like, it's good that there's success and it's good that, you know, people have such high expectations because that's what leads to more success in the future. So uh, best yeah. luck to you guys. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. I think, I think there's a good point on BC and Georgetown in particular are two schools that, you know, Villanova and Providence of the world consider kind of peer, peer institutions um, to some degree. And I think that there's maybe a little bit of like looking at BC and Georgetown and seeing kind of what those programs have become. BC, both of those schools, like full bore athletic programs are just absolute fucking dumpster fires. But like, I think you look at that and like, there's a fear. Oh my God, is Villanova going to become that because of one thing or another? I, 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 I can't get behind that fear this early on. That could be an optimism thing. 
that could be that could be pessimism on the other side. You know, pessimists always consider themselves realists. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I can't get there right now. It's is it's one season where we're eight and nine. We don't know how the rest of the season's gonna play out. There's still some talent on the roster, there's still some talent hurt that might come back. Like I, I'm 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 willing to say that we're not at the point yet where we have to think like, oh my God, we're turning into Georgetown. Like that was a long time in the making. Um, so, and, and a lot of institutional reasons why that has gone terribly, terribly wrong. That's frankly don't exist at Villanova. Like the president of Georgetown thinks NIL is a crisis, right? Like we have, we're maybe like slightly late to the party, but we have an NIL collective, uh, one or two of them. Um, and so we're, we're getting there. So like we believe in it. We have the institutional support and the athletic department to, to put that on the forefront and we're willing to spend the money on it. So all of that's there. I, I think that will be okay. Uh, but I do, I do think that it's a little bit behind why some, there's some anxiety amongst the fan base. No one wants to see us fall. No one on our side wants to see us fall flat in our face in that regard. But Friar Express, I appreciate you coming in, not being a troll. You, I, I do enjoy some of the smack talk that comes across from other fans in these spaces, but I appreciate the uh, you grounding us here. So thanks yeah, a lot. And one, you know, one last thing. I will be at uh, at Nova for the PC game in what, like a month or whatever. So, you know, uh, just keep an eye out for me. All right, you're gonna bring it. I'm I'll sure. be I'll be way more obnoxious there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be several tall boys deep by by 11 a.m. All right. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Friar Express. All right. Um, we got a couple other people looking to speak. So, um, Will, is it Falcone or Falcon? You're on. Hey. What an amazing job you've done tonight in putting this together. Um, I don't know if you know, Brian popped in there for a minute. Uh, I thought I saw Justin. thought I saw Mark Armstrong in there. So, um, one, just kind of be careful when anyone just going in on specific players, like not, not really cool. I don't think certainly not in this forum quite anyway. Um, one, I think that's more just an overarching statement. I think I would want to make here, um, their kids also, um, Adults, professionals who are getting paid real salaries, real money, I think they're fair game. So that brings me to my, my sort of point about Coach Neptune here. Um, <clears throat> I know the guys love him. I know he is like the player's guy, but he really just feels to me like he was the ying to Jay, Jay's yang or however you want to put it. And <clears throat> we all know that Jay had serious, tough love, certainly outwardly on the bench sometimes. So, God knows what it was like in practice. So <clears throat> from a program building standpoint, aside from Jay's ringing endorsement and from a coaching standpoint, <clears throat> what gives any of you guys the confidence that he's the guy to carry the torch? Because this is a much different from Steve to Jay. Like this is not, there's, there's the time can't be afforded here to figure this out for three to four years here, in my opinion. Yeah. So all right, so I, I think you touched on a couple of points there, and I, I agree with your first point for, for, for sure wholeheartedly. I feel like the answer right now is that 
the confidence comes from the endorsements that have come from from uh, his hiring and and like the the albeit small track record um, as a head coach, but also for certain the the great track record as an assistant. That being said, I just want to be clear on something here. My uh, I've defended, so to speak, but my defense is like couched in the fact of more just like patience because it takes time with a new coach who's trying to, who has his own way of coaching, right? Like he's been a J disciple. He's obviously got a lot of J to him, right? That's how he grew up, right? Coaching. That's how he learned. So he doesn't know how to coach an inbounds play because Jay didn't know how to coach an inbounds play (laughs) to save his life. So like, so like there's some of that, but like, but like in, in reality though is, is like, I think that we, I hear your point. But I would say that, like, I can't – I'm not going to – I'm not ready to pass a judgment. If we're talking three years down the line, and I get you, you don't want to get into a position where three years down the line, you're in trouble or whatever. Look, at that well, point in time, you well, can especially, – Especially with Nil and our also, you know, it's not like we're gangbusting there too. So, you know, yeah, but, but the point for a, a quick combustibility here is an absolute possibility here that absolutely. I think we should be facing. But I think the other side to that coin is between the portal and NIL – is that it can combust quick and it could it, it makes everything faster, right? Like you can combust quick and if it doesn't work out for Neptune and we have to go outside the family and hire another coach, it could also get rebuilt pretty quickly, is is kind of my point. And I think there's a lot of infrastructure there. I also that's have noticed- that's, that honestly it's probably the best point I've heard. But that that's a fair that's probably the that the program should be still strong enough to endure that. That's probably the best counterpoint I've heard. Yeah, honestly. Like, like and, and also like don't discount the fact that like like twenty years of Jay has recentered this school on basketball in a way that when Jay was hired, I don't think was the case. Right? Like Father Dobbin Father Dobbin did a great job, um, one of the better presidents in university history, taking it from a commuter a commuter style school to like a really good top end of the Northeastern program. And Father Peter has kind of taken it to just this national university that's become absolutely like world, world renowned in terms of the institution overall. But there's also an element where if you talk to Father Peter 16 years ago, he would, he would be like, I don't even fucking like basketball. Like, like I'm a theater guy. He wanted, his, he wanted his, you know, his performing arts center built and he wasn't terribly interested in the program. You talk to Father Peter now, and he's gained an appreciation for it. Um, I don't know how much longer Father Peter will be the president, but there's – Kerry Kittles is on the board of directors. Like, like there's a lot there from, like, a, like, an infrastructure standpoint. The fact that they hired Jay and are paying Jay to be a special advisor to the president. Like, he, so he's in the ear. Like, I don't know how long he'll do that. But, like, the point is, is that the school has centered itself around basketball, the new building, the, the Davis Center. They've done upgrades to the athletic facilities writ large. There's a lot more investment there. Whereas, And the way they run the athletic program, too. Like, you look at a Georgetown and you get worried. You look at a BC and get worried. Trust me when I say this. Talk to some Georgetown and BC fans, and they will tell you about the absolute horror show that are the athletic departments there. Whereas our athletic department, you look around the sports, we're pretty successful across the board. So, like, there is – obviously things can be fleeting, but, like, 
there is a there is an element of of a backstop there that I think is that I think is a little bit better than we might be given credit for. Like they've built a pretty good infrastructure at the university. Yeah, I think you made a like I said probably the best counterpoint there. And I certainly I'm I'm an 03 graduate, so I got to experience the first little four year run there without a tournament. So I, I certainly can attest to that the basketball program was not entrenched. Never, never mind at the university at at the students the the pavilion when I was there. Let's the sellouts were sometimes generous. Let's call it so for sure. Um, and it's probably like you, like I said, the best counterpoint that you made to kind of or, or just frankly good point to kind of from a perspective standpoint because um, it also is a dollar dollars and cents thing, and they have made a tremendous amount of investment, so they're also not going to treat it. As 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 otherwise, they've they've sunk a lot of dollars into it, so they're going to look at it that way. So and I'll, I'll give you a, on a personal note, and as big a basketball fan as I am, I donate to the school every year, and I'm going to continue to donate to school every year, no matter how the basketball team does. So so like that's just for me. Like I'm I'm committed of to course. my uni- I'm of committed course. to my university beyond the basketball team. The basketball team oh. has to happens to be the number one way in which I commit my time, but like but like. There, I think a lot of people are committed beyond beyond hoops. Well, yeah. right. appreciate again. Great job tonight. I really, thanks, we all, I, I think we all really appreciate it. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks, Trevor. You've had your hand raised. Yeah, I gotta get off in a minute. Um, but just going back to that, like I talked to a couple people in the athletic department yesterday. I just like happened to be there for something and was chatting with them, like. Neptune was his guy that he handpicked. He had the calls with the other candidates that were like Baker and, and Ash and whoever else, but he was their guy. It's Villanova. They've had two football coaches in the past 40 years or since whenever the program came back. Like they don't just drop coaches after, especially after one season. Like you look at what Neptune did with Fordham where he basically reconstructed a, a roster over the summer when he from when he got hired to when they played their first game. Like, people forget he brought in, like, seven guys from the transfer portal, and uh, those guys that he brought in are a big part of their success this season, too, plus, obviously, his um, associate head coach that he had um, that, again, came from here back in the day. Um, Keith Ergo. Love yeah, Keith Ergo. We, we, we just got to – be patient. Like how many of us have started a job at like, you know, not knowing what we're doing in the first, however long, but the stakes are much lower for us. Cause nobody's watching us do our job on national TV every night. Like everybody's just, well, I, in I, fairness I, though, no one's yeah, paying me $2 million either. Oh, well I, I didn't ask, I didn't ask, but you know, <laughs> um, but no, if you, you look away, the university operates like it's the same track coach since, he graduated pretty like Marcus O'Sullivan. He's been there since the '80s. Football program, two head coaches in however I mean, many. Like we don't, we don't have coach turnover. <laughs> like, I mean, did Harry Peretta like? I know he literally. Harry Peretta did. Did he know yeah. Jesus Christ personally? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> Harry was. You know, Denise Dillon is the second coach in women's basketball history. Like, we're not in the business of coach turnover, so I think they're gonna be patient. Someone that I'm not going to name mentioned, like, okay, if this is still a problem in five years, then, like, yeah. But he's going to have his time. So we just got to get comfortable. But let's put it this way, though. 
when if it does get ugly, they will react. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a difference between us and Georgetown, right? Like Georgetown. No, of course, at, of course. Georgetown looked at an zero and twenty season and said. Patrick Ewing's the guy to turn this around. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. And I yeah. mean, like, but I'm saying they're not looking at one. He's going to get his chance. He's going to get a fair shake and he's not going to get away with abusing it like Patrick Ewing did, but he's getting his chance. Like yeah. people calling for his head, just you're in for it. If, if you're at there right now, <laughs> that's kind of been my biggest point is that like, look, man, like I, like, I want to stay on the, the range of reasonable outcomes and it's just like, not what's going to happen. Like, so like, which is like, you could argue, well, maybe it should like, fine. I get that point. But like, it's just like, this is a school you went to. If you went to the school, it's the, if you didn't go to the school, trying to give you a little bit of a heads up as to like, what Villanova does and what Villanova is about. And just like, and just like they've made a very good living over the years by being very loyal to their coaches. And that's been a, the, the, the expectation that if you are successful and do the right behaviors and maintain good institutional control, you'll have an assemblance of job security. If you can get things going from a winning standpoint over time has kind of been the mantra and it's been one of the reasons why we were able to get a guy like a Jay Wright and he was allowed to kind of blossom into the Hall of Famer that he was. And by the way, Massimino should also be in the Hall of Fame, which is a travesty. But like, but like, that's one of the reasons Can't why. Can't put him in the Hall of Fame. He broke up the big five, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so. Right. Now, and with that, I'm, I'm rolling. Thanks for putting everything together. Um, hear from you, I'm sure, during the game tomorrow. Take it easy. Thanks, Trevor. All right. We got Kyle. And, I mean, I mean, if he's willing to come back. <laughs> um, we got uh, Kyle. Kyle, what's up, man? What's going on? Uh, thanks for hosting tonight. Uh, appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Um, just a couple thoughts um, about the program. And I say, you know, this year, obviously it's, not what I was expecting, but, um, you know, given everything, you know, the guys are working their ass off. So obviously it's not, you know, any, you know, point and finger time or anything, but, uh, just looking down the line for the next couple of years for Neptune, I mean, all these guys coming in, were expecting to play 4J, whether, you know, they stayed or not, um, you know, after he left was, you know, obviously up to them, but, um, it's going to be, I'm curious to see over the next couple of years to see, you know, what kind of guys Kyle gets. And also for next year, whether we do look at the transfer portal, because I know, you know, you got Slater and Daniels leaving um, Cam's, you know, obviously going league. And then, um, you know, who knows what a couple other guys are going to do, but um, that's the one thing that I'm really like concerned about our culture is, you know, what kind of guys we bring in from the transfer portal, how NIL works with all that. Cause I know we're not really a transfer program besides like, you know, Pascal, um, you know, Cremo came, um, Caleb. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, you know, and obviously Caleb embodies the only culture, a culture so well. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what kind of guys we do get. I'm just curious on your thoughts about, you know, the next couple, a couple of years, what kind of recruiting class transfer portal we're going to look at. 
Yeah, I, my thought is that we're going to hit it. Um, I, I mean, you, you look at kind of the roster construction, right? Like Caleb and Slater have to go, right? Like they're 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 on their way out. Whitmore, barring some unbelievable nil deal that is just whatever. Like, but even beyond that, he should go, right? Like, yeah, like whether, he, he'll he'll like, go in the top ten. Yeah, he like he should go. If I'm advising. <laughs> Cam Whitmore, I'm telling him, yeah, you should go, right? Like, and I think that's healthy for the school and the and and and, and him. So, uh, and then and then you don't know where Moore is going to shake out with. Like, I've I've heard everything from, you know, I mean, he if he goes if he sits out this entire year, he technically can pick up a medical red shirt and be here for two more years. But he's also older. I would understand if he wants to play professionally over uh, whether it be here, um, overseas, whatever it may be. Like I still think that there's a lot of talent to there, um, and and you know could find his way with workouts. Maybe a back end of the second round, more likely get workouts after uh, after the draft, get signed yeah. onto some type of summer league contract, and prove himself. And no one's going to work harder than him. So like, I so think like, if he if he gets in front of the, like the scouts and you know they tell him you know you're ready, like I think he makes it to the league no matter what. He's he's so freaking good. But yeah. So, um, so, so I think when you look at the roster construction next season, there's going to be opportunities, right? Like, A, like with the portal, you look at the portal out, right? Like, I actually, like, I think there's a lot of fear. I actually think that there's a good amount to be hopeful for because a lot of the guys coming back are going to think to themselves, yeah, I have a really good opportunity to earn some playing time um, and make a real big impact on this team. And I, I think that there's there. I'm not ruling out transfers. There's always transfers. That's healthy in every program. That's part of the deal. The other point, though, that I'll that I'll bring out is I do think that we do go to the portal to bring in a couple guys. But I look for us to be highly selective in terms of what we want, both in terms of positioning um, and in terms of like culture fits, right? Like I think you'd see us maybe go maybe not to the highest end guy on the portal, like Cooley got like Bryce Hopkins this year. I don't think, I think that'll be tough to come by. Could it happen? Of course. But like, I think you look at maybe like, you know, like UConn picked up Joey Calcaterra, um, who was happy kind of playing a role on, a, on, on this UConn team this year. I think that is kind of along the lines of what we look to in the portal, kind of fill out the roster um, and bring in guys you know, a la Acremo, a la Pasco, a la uh, Caleb Daniels, who can fill out the roster and also, you know, have a have a good impact on the team. Yeah, I was thinking like because I want I want guys that are going to stay, you know, two three years down the line that can obviously you know follow the mold that we had the past eight years of you know passing the baton, next man up, you know, teaching other guys, you know, their roles and then filling in their roles and et cetera. Just you know. Not rebuild, but retool. Um, it not, takes, yeah, it, not rebuild, but reload. It's just it's it's a spot that we haven't been in, what twelve years? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the thing about that was we had you know Arch and Ochefu come in and reset everything. <laughs> so I don't know if we're gonna get that next year, but I want Neptune to get his guys and um, you know see how he does when you know he actually brings in the guys that are coming to play for him. Yeah, I agree. Totally. 
No, I appreciate that point, Kyle. I, I, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be cool. Um, I think that there is an element here where, given where, where the season's at right now, there's an element of like, hey, you can kind of look at this season and kind of appreciate each game on its own as opposed to putting it in this context of this greater tournament resume building thing and actually think about it from like an individual player standpoint and look at what each player is contributing, bringing to the, bringing to the table um, and improving upon, right? Like one of my favorite parts about this season is kind of seeing the development of Mark Armstrong as an example, right? Like kind of was getting spot minutes early and as over the last three games earning 25 plus minutes a game, right? Like yeah. he's become a Villanova guard under, uh, as we watch, like, have the results on the court in terms of performance been up and down and has the, and has the record not been there? Yeah. But it's also kind of awesome to watch a kid kind of come into his own in the program. So that's the kind of thing to that, that as fans that we can get excited about because all those little things are kind of what will kind of turn this thing around um, going forward. Exactly. And I also think like, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook, but like the work that, you know, Caleb and Slater and Dixon are doing as leaders too. you know, roles that they haven't really um, stepped into like this year, you know, they were part of a final four team. Um, we're really good in their roles and it's, you know, it's, even though it's not the record that you know we're hoping for right now, it's, it's nice that they get to see the fruit of their labors is like actually being the leaders on the team, you know? Totally. And like, also like there's still a lot of talent to come back next year, right? Like Eric Dixon's got, I mean, Colin maybe might be able to answer is he's still back on the space, but uh, I think he's got two more years of eligibility or let's see, he came in, he redshirted the year before COVID. He got a free COVID year. I think he's got two more. Yeah. He's got seasons two. left. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, in theory, yeah. he may be averaging 25. <laughs> yeah. Colin gave me the thumbs up here. So, so, like, he's got two more years left, right? Like, and if Nana Njoku continues to develop, um, you know, he, he got hurt recently. I, I, you know, I want to see him find his way on the court because he's been, you know, every, everything that you ever hear, hear about him is, 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 is great things from, like, a culture standpoint and fit standpoint, right? Like, he's a four-star guy who, if he can develop, right, and find his way onto the floor, Right, like Eric Dixon can maybe move over to the four, which is actually maybe a slightly better position for him, and like that frees us up to be way better from that perspective. Like, imagine having Dixon be your four man. Like, like he could spread the floor, he could do everything. So, a lot of a lot to be excited about, and I'm and I'm interested to see kind of where it goes. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Kyle. All right, we got Joe back. Joe, you're back on. I don't know. Have you had another bourbon since we last talked? Uh, yeah. So um, I um, <laughs> the uh, the Booker's um, batch two for twenty twenty two. Um. So yeah, yeah catch it. up. Um. All right. So uh, you know, I want I want to look into the future a little bit. I want to get positive. I want to feel nice. Um. I like Jordan Dumont. This guy. So he, he apparently just like is a bucket, and um, he I think uh, if I saw it on the internet this week, he he's um like uh, on the list for the McDonald stuff, whatever they need to do. Um, 
do you guys have any um, insight on anyone else that we're in on in that crop? I know like, the only other name I thought of uh, that I think I saw was that like, Chris Parker. Um, uh, I just want your thoughts on like, do, do you guys know anyone else that we're just like looking at and trying to get in? I know like um, Jordan signs letter of intent, but I just want to get a feel for what else we got going on. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest with you, um, just to level with everybody here. Recruiting is kind of like like the high school stuff is where I kind of like draw the line <laughs> of like where I'm just like limited. Um, and I hate to be like, I'm a, you know, I'm a, we host this podcast, et cetera. We try to have as good of information and we try and bring everyone what we can. I just, when I talk about like, just like, hey, what do I have the uh, capacity for? Like we probably should try and find someone who, who is really in deep in that. I, I just don't have that insight. I'm excited about Jordan Dumont. Um, I think, you know, I, I think with some time and watching more games throughout the season, probably identify some guys who we could pick up in the portal. But like I, just the recruiting side of things, it's just like, I don't know. There's something about watching 16-year-old kids play basketball that I just can't get my mind around <laughs> being completely candid. Well, to your point, like, yeah, like, if they don't commit to us, I don't watch it either. I'm not, like, trying to, like, be a creep. But I just, I'm, I always just wondering if, like, anyone had, like, any sight lines and anyone else. That's all. Thanks. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if a couple guys requested to speak. Um, I don't know if anyone does. I, I don't. I mean, I'll step. I mean, I could. Yeah. I mean, can we go back to what what Colin said earlier about how five stars don't win championships? Because he's spot on. I posted earlier. Like, if you look at all the five stars, Quinterly transferred. Yes, Whitmore. I get it. We all love Whitmore. He's awesome. That's what my name's after him. But the other guys, Spellman. Um, well, Spellman did win. Spellman did. <laughs> okay, so yeah, one. But one and one and done. <laughs> which we don't like. That was never our thing to do. One like, or what were the what most one and does like like. Tim Thomas and I mean, so hey guys, I, I, I want to step in real quick. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys are misunderstanding my question. It's not about like star chasing. I just, I'm trying to, yeah, you're trying to figure out the future. Yeah, the future. But think about, think about who we have now. Look at Armstrong, look at Long Gino, look at, um, well, Breezy transferred. Oh, you don't have to talk to me. Yeah. Everyone knows that yeah. I'm the, the New Jersey strong. Oh, uh, yeah. Best. I mean, that's I am that, the that's number one on strong. <laughs> Um, effort. I grew up where Armstrong's from. Like I'm just saying, like I didn't want to like. Sorry, I, I didn't want to like misunderstand. I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. No, I, I got you. I was just like, I saw. I, I'm excited about Jordan Dumont. I'm just, I'm just of curious if anyone knew anyone else about anyone else. I don't want to like. Yeah, I, I don't. We have. I'm excited. No, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Armstrong I'm with you 100 percent on that. Um, he made the old McDonald's and. And then to another to, to your point, not only is there anyone that we're recruiting out of high school, but is there possibly anyone that we're looking at from the transfer portal? Yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm with you 100. Yeah, percent that, that was like the real question. Thank you, appreciate. It. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I I apologize that I don't just I just I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. That's just not what I'm going to do. So I I don't know. Um. Joe, any other any other thing? Anything else? 
No, I just want to. I want to know how uh, how many fingers of bourbon you're drinking. That's it. But thanks. <laughs> I had three. I, I had three or four total tonight. I kept it a little on the on the you know uh, on the little on the easy side tonight. Um. All right. Hey, so we're we're at twelve twenty three here. We've had a great space. Um, so I'm going to put it on last call now. Um, any last parting thoughts? Last final questions? Any anything else? Uh, anything else on anybody's mind? Um, going once. Going twice. All right, sold. Hey, thank you everybody for listening. We have the recording of this. If you want to, you know, randomly listen to a three and a half hour Twitter space recording with some fireworks. Um, I really appreciate everyone's coming up. Yeah, I appreciate everybody who uh, who had who shared their thoughts and and, and feelings tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, let's go, Nova.